This is Jocko Podcast number 366 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Also joining us tonight, Dave Burke. Good evening, Dave. Good evening. Dave happens to be kind of in San Diego right now, so <laughs> here you are. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Leadership Strategy and Tactics wrote a book called Leadership Strategy and Tactics. And in that book, I talked about whether leaders are born or made. And the answer is, of course, both. People are born with certain characteristics that are beneficial for leadership, right? Uh, The ability to simplify things, the ability to detach, being articulate. These are all things that you can be born with various levels of. And thankfully, they're all things that you can improve, right? You can learn to simplify things. You can learn to detach. You can learn to become more articulate. Uh, It's not easy. And some people can learn more easily how to simplify things. Some people can learn more easily how to detach. Some people have a really hard time with it. There's some things that you can't improve, right? Um, I know in the book I, I, I used the example of being able to speak loudly because being able to speak loudly in combat is beneficial. And even, even if you're trying to get, you know, you're, you've got an event going on and you've got to get everyone to move to a different room, it's, it's good to have a loud voice. And a loud voice is a genetic thing. And sure, you could train it a little bit, but you, you, some people can only talk so loud. It's genetic in my family. It's loud at my house. A bunch of loud people. So it's a genetic trait. So everyone's got some level of uh, inherent leadership capability. And when you have some kind of a lack, like if you don't have a loud voice, cool, you get someone on your team that does. And there are some natural leaders out there, right? And the, I don't know how, look, natural leadership means that they might have some better characteristics. But what it really means is that they're humble and throughout their lives, they've developed themselves over time, right? Some people have very little leadership, natural ability. And then you have everyone in between. I mean, there's there's some people that they just don't, they just got, they didn't get the, the, the positive leadership characteristics. And they might be really awesome at other things, right? They might be a great athlete, right? How many great athletes are there that weren't great coaches? There's a lot of them. Some, in fact, some of them are actually bad coaches. They were a great player, but they're a bad coach. They have great skills, athletic skills, great ability to have great peripheral vision. They had great skills for athletics, but they didn't have a great leadership capability. And maybe they never developed it. I imagine if you're like the best ball player, you can end up with a pretty big ego. Maybe you don't need to listen to a bunch of people, so maybe you don't end up being the best leader. Um, but... Leadership is what drives the success of an organization. So the question is, how do you develop leaders? And we know, we talk about it all the time. We do it, Dave and I do it for a living. We develop leaders, we teach leaders, we train them, mentor them. We put them in leadership positions, put people in leadership positions, we coach them, we have developed those programs inside of organizations, all very hands-on. So how do you train uh, leaders if you're in an organization that has hundreds of thousands of people? Obviously, you're going to use decentralized command, right? Because you as the leader in charge of a couple hundred thousand people, you're not going to be able to train everyone yourself. So you have to use decentralized command so that the training and the mentoring and the coaching is going to take place at at the subordinate levels. 
But then if you have a few hundred thousand people in your organization, how do you set a baseline of knowledge that's gonna drive the leadership training and drive a leadership culture inside your organization? Well, a couple months ago, Dave handed me a, a manual and the manual is called, it's from the Marine Corps. I know it's a big shocker coming from Dave Burke handing me a manual. It's called the Fundamentals of Marine Corps Leadership. And for all practical purposes, it's a correspondence course, which is kind of a joke in the military, right? In the military, it's like, uh, oh, you went to BUDS through the correspondence course, meaning you just you know filled out some paperwork and then you graduated, or you went to flight mm. school. Would you do correspondence course to get through this? Mm. But correspondence course, it's a real thing. It's something that is necessary. You have to be able to educate people remotely. And now it's a lot easier to do that, right? Because now we have online training and everyone does online training. It's advanced a lot. We have the we have the Extreme Ownership Academy and we've got a whole new platform rolling out with that. What date does that come out? What date's the new platform? January live? 1. Oh my goodness. It's happening. Oh, so this will be live. So we have a new platform with that and even you know when when Leif and I first started talking about having an online training platform, b- both of us, and I think Leif more so because I had seen some other possibilities. Leif was just thinking about what we had, you know, in the in the in the Navy. These online trainings that you had to take they were super boring, super not user friendly, and it didn't seem like a viable option. Of course, COVID hit, and all of a sudden everyone's online. Everyone understands the benefits. And so luckily we had kind of started the academy now and then we went hard on it and now we've got an outstanding pro. The new the new one is all outstanding. Yeah, it's awesome. I was pretty impressed. I was extreme Good. I could actually I couldn't have been more impressed. So we've got the Extreme Ownership Academy. Um, but before that was available, things like this manual were out. And the manual's dated October of 2000. So there wasn't really a big online training capability. And also this is a, Something to think about. This is before the war kicked off. So there's sometimes as I read through this manual that I was like, hmm. We've been we we've been at peace for a while, haven't we? <laughs> because war teaches and reteaches lessons unlike any other instructor. And you'll see some of those. So, anyways, but that being said, there's a bunch of good lessons and reminders about leadership and I want to talk through some of those today and also put this up as kind of an example of the type of the type of program you can put in place if you're running a large organization or if you're running a small organization how often do we talk to clients that have 40 people but they got a decent churn rate a little higher than they want they got new people checking in all the time or like you get a Medical staff, let's say. Medical staff, you got professionals, but they might work with a different team for three days and then not see that team again. There's certain environments where you're gonna have a rapid turnover. So it's nice to realize that you can set up a standard operating procedure that you can give people some level of baseline knowledge very quickly and and you can move forward as a unified team if you have a good plan around it. And this is sort of an example of that. So. I also really appreciate the Marine Corps because they they have a an ability to speak to their audience in a way that can be pretty transformational. <laughs> so, a young Marine stopped by the gym today, just out of boot camp, you know, and you you're looking at him, yep, 
you know, I, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, this guy, this kid just graduated from Marine Corps boot camp. You know, he's standing at attention waiting to talk to me. I'm like, check. He's like, you know, good afternoon, sir. Yep. Good afternoon. When did you graduate from boot camp? Four days ago. Outstanding, you know. So the Marine Corps gets that job done. So let's go to this book, The Fundamentals of Marine Corps Leadership. It starts off by saying congratulations, which is a really, like, again, they're getting in your brain right away. Congratulations on your enrollment in a distance education course from the Distance Learning and Technologies Department of the Marine Corps Institute since 1920. Heritage. Heritage. Since 1920, the Marine Corps Institute has been helping tens of thousands of hard-charging Marines. What kind of Marine are you? I'm a hard-charger. You got this, but you're already hard-charging. You're already in the game. Like you, to improve their technical job performance skills through distance learning. By enrolling in this course, you have shown a desire to improve the skills you have and master, master new skills to enhance your job performance. Boom. So you can see how they're coming out of the gate. And then it says your personal characteristics. This isn't a question, by the way. It's not a survey about your personal characteristics. It's saying your personal characteristics. You are properly motivated. You have made a positive decision to get training on your own. Self-motivation is perhaps the most important force in learning or achieving anything. Doing whatever is necessary to learn is motivation. You have it. (laughs) This is outstanding. You seek to improve yourself. You are enrolled to improve those skills you already possess possess and learn new skills. When you improve yourself, you improve the core. Listen, you, Corporal, Lance Corporal Schmuckatelli, you are helping the entire Marine Corps right now by reading this book, by going through these procedures. And we thank you for it. You have the initiative to act. Of course, the Marine Corps is always trying to get you to take initiative. By acting on your own, you have shown you are self self-starter willing to reach out for opportunities to learn and grow. You accept challenges. This is like the affirmations that people say, but they're saying it to you. <laughs> you have self-confidence and believe in your ability. And by the way, it's all true. Like these are all factual things. You have the self-confidence and believe in your ability to acquire acquire knowledge and skills. You have self-confidence to set goals and the ability to achieve them, enabling you to meet every challenge. You are able to set and accomplish practical goals. You are willing to commit time, effort, and the resources necessary to set and accomplish your goals. These professional traits will help you successfully complete this long-distance learning course. And then it goes on. I I could read the entire thing and just, you know, we could just sell a, a, what's an audio book, right? Just get fired up. But then it talks about how to begin the course and it tells you how to do it. It's like, oh, leaf through the text and do an assessment of the different phases and then study the first unit. It it tells you how to study. Because, you know, look, a lot of these kids, they, you know, if you're enlisted in the Marine Corps, you may or may not have paid attention to one class in your entire high school, right? And then you're preparing for the final exam. And it tells you, it gives you these unused, unused minutes. Apply what you have learned. Use the shakedown cruise technique. Ask another Marine to lend a hand by asking questions about the course. Choose a particular study unit and let your buddy fire away. This technique can be interesting and challenging for both of you. <laughs> if you followed what the Marine Corps told you to do, you'd be an outstanding Marine. <laughs> The sooner you complete your course, the sooner you can better yourself by applying what you learned. However, you have two years from the date of enrollment to complete this course. I hope it doesn't take somebody two years to complete this. Graduating. As a graduate of this distance education course and as a dedicated Marine, your job performance skills will improve, benefiting you, your unit, and the Marine Corps Semper Fidelis. So 
That's the intro. They're coming out of the gate hard. They're getting right in your head. Like 18-year-old Jocko, I'm ready to rock it. I'm ready to do some correspondence courses, bro. <laughs> now, here's the thing. This is what you got to watch out for. How does this sound? It depends on who is reading it, right? So you could look at this thing. If you got a, did you ever have like a slang term for Marines that were just, they didn't want to be there? Yeah, I'm thinking like strap hangers and some other terms. But uh-huh. I, there's probably some more derogatory ones that I'm, I'm I'm blanking on right now. But yes, there were definitely terms. I just can't think of it. Yeah, just somebody with like a negative mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. You could take, uh, you know, the last podcast that we did, we talked about building a palace or building a lean-to. You could read this and be like, dude, this is such a load of shit. You could totally do that. Like, I could do it right now. We could go back through this thing. I could laugh at it, right? Totally. It could be like, uh, uh, congratulations on your enrollment in distance education course. Since 1920, the Marine Corps Institute has helped tens of thousands of hard-charging Marines. You know what I mean? Like, you can see. You see what I'm doing? Totally. Yes, I do see that. Yeah. Man, Jamie got a client from an email the other day, and she was mad about it. And I was like, because she doesn't have a, there's like a little a little issue with the client, and she's working through it. And I'm like, um, so she read me the email. She's like, can you help me with this email? Bad. And so she read it to me, and the tone that she read it was like super negative. And I go, I go, cool. I go, read that again and pretend that I'm that it's an email from me. And she just went quiet. Because <laughs> what the email said was like, hey, we want to adjust some dates on this thing, but it was like, the way she read it was like, hey, we need to adjust the dates. I was like, whoa, girl. <laughs> so you got to kind of, you, well, you're going you're gonna to read it the way you want to hear it. So why not build a palace instead of a lean-to? Why not turn this thing into something awesome? That's my recommendation. Uh, so lesson one. And the way this thing's laid out, it's, it's like got the lesson plan, got the learning objectives, it's like sort of normal military stuff. Um, it starts off placement and purpose of the Marine NCO in the chain of command. The chain of command is the system the Marine Corps uses to, to ensure that each Marine receives instructions for a particular task from only one supervisor. Each immediate supervisor in turn receives instructions from his or her immediate supervisor. This process continues up to the commandant of the Marine Corps. <laughs> In this way, each supervisor is a link in the chain of command from the commandant to each Marine. That's a, that's like a, hey, they might as well put the president in there, that the president of the United States is in there too. They should throw him in there, except for the fact that the, look, you don't really care. Hey man, I work for the commandant. Never mind anybody else, bro. I work for the commandant of the Marine Corps. That's where I'm at. Um, this chain serves two purposes. The first of these purposes is to decentralize authority. Since it is impossible for one person to assign duties to every Marine or to supervise every task personally, assignments are passed down through the levels of command. This is called decentralization of authority. For example, the mess officer tells the chief cook what foods to prepare for a meal. The chief cook then tells the section cook, who in turn tells the other cook. cooks. Whenever duties are assigned to a subordinate, that subordinate must be given the authority to accomplish those duties. The subordinate is held responsible for accomplishing the task, but overall responsibility, responsibility for its success remains with the Marine originating the order. This is a horrible example. And there's a couple reasons why. Number one, it's talking about cooks, and we don't want to hear about cooks, right? 
Um, not that logistics don't win war, because they certainly do, and not that I don't love the people that make food for me when I'm in the military. But that's not really what makes it a bad example. It's actually good that they're given some various things, but here's the thing. The mess officer tells the chief cook what foods to prepare for a meal, right? That is wrong. The, chief, the, the mess officer should be saying, hey, this is how many people we have to feed. Make it happen. Yeah. He could be like, hey, this is all we were able to get from headquarters supply. This is the, you know, like, he doesn't tell, he shouldn't tell him anything other than what he needs to get done and what he's got available yeah. to make that happen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, I just literally wrote down, I, I was showing, like, I literally wrote down the word tell with a question mark. Like, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and really, then the chief cook should be like, hey, guys, you know, here's how many people we got to feed. What, what do you guys think we should make? And let the troops decide. This is authoritarian leadership and it's not the best way to lead. So watch out for that. Just watch out for that. Besides the decentralization of authority, another purpose of the chain of command is to link different levels of command. It is a way that the infantry private can talk to his battalion commander. The private go first goes through his fire team leader with a problem. If the problem cannot be solved by his fire team leader, he sent his squad leader, then the platoon sergeant, then the platoon commander, and finally the company commander. If the problem cannot be solved by any of these Marines after they, have, they are seen in order of their authority, the private is sent to the battalion commander. Any Marine can go as high as necessary to get the problem solved. All that the Marine must do is follow the chain of command one step at a time. A Marine does not have to disclose the subject of a request masked to anyone in the chain of command except the commander with whom he is requesting the mask. This was always like a big threat of requesting masks. Did you, did you guys hear that threat? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, what yeah. would make a guy want to request mass? Usually the sense of being wronged or something yeah. like that. Listen, I heard, I mean, I obviously knew what requesting mass was. And at some point in my career, I was going to be the person that they were going to be right. requesting did you ever Did you ever have one? Dude, it never happened. Never Wait, what never is happened. it? What is request? It's basically like, and I know Jock could add to it, but like you want you want to make sure Marines understand that they, they, they do have the latitude that if somehow that there's, there's, there's some misconduct occurring in their chain of command. They can go up the chain to the right authority to, to have their grievance aired, their concern you know, articulated to the boss so something somebody isn't getting in the way. Mm -hmm. So you can go up through the chain, and I can actually skip my boss. I'm, it's rudimentary in this example, but I can skip my boss and go to the, the, the big boss if I need to request mass. And like he was describing, it can almost be like he used like, a threat or like I'm gonna request okay. mass. That's that said, captain's like, mass. No, that that's is something different. else. Okay. Captain's mass is that's that's in the other direction. Yeah. That's like Echo, you did something dumb and you lost equipment or you did something dumb, oh, okay. got in trouble. Now you're going to captain's mass. Oh, okay, so yeah. it's like okay, got it. But this oh, one damn. is this one is like, you know, I'm in an argument with Dave. Dave is my boss hmm. and I think Dave's making us do a dumb plan. And I could literally say, I'm requesting captain's mask. I'm requesting yeah. mast. Mm. I'd be like, Jocko, you're not on duty tomorrow, but you're going to come in. And it's like Christmas day or something. And you're like, no, I'm not on duty and I don't have to do that. And like, this is the, the duty roster and I have the day off. I'm like, nope, you're coming in. And he, in theory, could be like, I'm going to go over your head and I'm going to go to the boss and say like, hey, I think he's treating me unfairly. And, and that way he's not a victim oh. by my really awful leadership of making him do something that's dumb or yeah. not fair. So it's like, in a, or it is an official, uh, like, what do you call, protocol yeah. to, to go above yep. above the chain that's or whatever. It. That's it. 
Off, off disgust, rarely, rarely executed. <laughs> when we we when we had that mutiny, yeah, that was kind of like that. It wasn't quite official because, but we were like, hey, we want to talk to the skipper, and we went and talked to the skipper. But it wasn't like we didn't we didn't have to go the full. There was another time there was almost like a request mast scenario that someone was talking about, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> All right, uh, purpose. Of the Marine NCO in the chain of command. The Marine NCO, non commissioned officer, is the lowest rank link in the chain of command. The first purpose of that link is to carry the orders and information passed from the NCO's immediate supervisor to the NCO's subordinates and pass requests from the Marines up the chain of command. And let me give you a little hint, everybody. You're going to be translating what is said down the chain of command and translating what is said back up the chain of command. So if I'm working for Dave, and Echo works for me, and Echo says, this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. I say, hey, sir, we'd like to reconsider the way, approach that we're taking. <laughs> and when, when Dave says, tell those guys to shut up and do what I told them to do, I say, hey, Echo, I did brief the skipper about this, and we're gonna go ahead, we wanna proceed with what we've been directed to do. <laughs> so you're gonna do translation. And your translation, you're actually buffering the friction that's gonna be there, because it's definitely gonna be there. Uh, in this manner, the NCO is a link between Marine subordinates and their commanding officer. As this link, the NCO is responsible for enforcing the orders of the commands, orders and commands of the commanding officer. The NCO accomplishes this by assigning tasks and then supervising work. That's what, you know, I mentioned that this was this is coming out in the year 2000, and you can see it's, and we're gonna get to some part where they go more decentralized. And they're using the term decentralized, but what we're reading is not decentralized. This is orders and execution and following duties, right? That's what that's the way this reads. And again, this is aimed at a very low rank. I've, it's written in here somewhere, but this is aimed at like corporals and lance corporals, like E2, E1s, E2s, E3s, um, maybe E4s, so. Yeah, if I, so, and I didn't read that opening piece, mm -hmm. uh, but if, when I hear NCO in the Marine Corps, uh, a corporal in the Marine Corps is an NCO. That's actually not common across. So you're, you're. I see this as a way to teach enlisted Marines E1, E2, E3, private Lance Corp, a private, private first class Lance Corporal, how to one day become an NCO. Yeah. And I'm hearing it's like, man, this is rudimentary. It's yeah. almost like they're doing it on purpose. Like they're describing decentralized command in a way that's actually not decentralized command because it's so rudimentary. Yeah. Like, don't tell people what to do, but I'm like, okay, I think what they're trying to explain is like, this is how this is how it works in the chain of command. It's really <laughs> low level in the way that descri it's described. Uh, when a subordinate is given a task to supervise, the NCO must also give the Marine enough authority to accomplish the task, but overall responsibility remains with the NCO. Remember, and here's a great point, as a supervisor in the Marines or civilian life, you can delegate authority, but you can never delegate responsibility. And this is something we talk about giving ownership. You know, when I give ownership to Dave to go and accomplish a project and he messes it up, I still own the failure. So um, a second purpose of the Marine NCO is to train Marines to perform their assigned tasks. This training usually in the Marine's MOS is a combination of on-the-job training and classroom instruction. The Marine NCO must be able to demonstrate and teach. More important, he must inspire the Marines, making them want to learn the skills expect, he's expected to master, or they expected to master. And the third purpose is to ensure close supervision and personal guidance of junior Marines. 
and this part disturbed me, without a supervising NCO, many tasks would not be finished properly, if at all. (laughs) (laughs) The personal guidance provides a junior Marine with someone else to turn to with help for personal problems or for answers. So we don't like that. We, meaning me. I don't know if you do. I shouldn't. I say I should. I don't like it. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> so, we. You don't want to have a group of people who, unless they are supervised closely, they don't do things right. That means I'm failing in like 19 different ways yeah. as a leader. So that's that's not our goal. Our goal is not to just have everything so supervised that it gets done. Because if we're supervising that closely well, then we're too close to the problem and we aren't seeing the other things, we're not seeing the big picture, and by the way, why, why, why do we have troops that aren't doing what they're supposed to do? So if you're a leader in an organization, if you're working at a company, and the only way things get done properly is if they are being strictly supervised, this is a horrible sign. You need to start going down the path of giving more ownership, giving more autonomy, giving people parameters, giving them mission type orders, which means telling them what needs to get done, why it needs to get done, but not how to do it. That's what we're gonna go for. Yeah, you, you said it already, and I was thinking about this, this, the concept of decentralized command and how it's different from, I tell you, you tell your subordinate, you tell your, like that is not decentralized command. That's the direction in which the things flow in the chain of command, if you wanna use that from a hierarchy. But I just I can't help but think about the the timing of this, like October of, of uh, um, sorry October of two thousand. Yeah. Like that's like nine ten. That's like right before nine eleven, and before that was like Desert Storm, mm-hmm. which listen Desert Storm was legit, but it was like four days long. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and so you have a, an era here, and what I had what I wrote down is like DC works, decentralized command works, but it doesn't it doesn't become as as it doesn't reveal the necessity of it until you're in an environment by which nothing else will work mm. other than decentralized command. And in garrison, you can kind of you can kind of power your way through. You can you are you can still micromanage and chain of command lead in garrison. And yep. if you spend a, a, a like a career in garrison, what they're describing, and this is not to defend it, like you just you said it well, like this is not, we don't want to do this. But unless you've been in a situation like combat, like oh crap, I, the only way that, the only way we will be successful is if we have real decentralized command, mission type orders. Jocko goes and makes things happen because all he knows is the outcome, and I can't help him with anything else because he's off doing his thing. You don't understand how, not just how important it is, but how it actually works. And there's just these little, there's these like little little pieces of like garrison leadership inside there. Even it's like oh that's the wrong word. Don't use that word. It's the wrong word. Yeah. And without the context of knowing when and how it works. And I, I know it's kind of like arrogant to say the real world, but I'll talk about combat. Without that, you are gonna use the words that they're using and they're not the right words. Mm-hmm. The Psychology of Military Incompetence, like that book was so spot on and it was able to capture sort of the, the things that I always thought about. But the, the fact that in the garrison environment, you can totally micromanage. You can totally micromanage. Like, it's like if you work at a restaurant and you only have, like you've got, you've got 10 tables and hey, here's the rules at our restaurant. Only five tables are gonna be filled at a time. We've got five tables, we actually have five waiters 
and we've got five cooks. And boom, the waiter's gonna talk to that cook and, oh, okay, cool, yep, hey, did you give them what they need? Yep, everything's, like, you micromanage everything. You can, hey, bring them their bread, bring the table that bread, you know, you can do it. Did they get their drinks? You can micromanage everything in a restaurant that has five tables, five waiters, and five cooks, because everything is just, it's gonna work. And even when someone says, you know, hey, uh, can I get extra onions? You're like, nope, 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 that's not on the menu. You can't get that. Now, if you go to a real restaurant, like a big restaurant, a bunch of different people in there, like those waiters are gonna have to make some decisions. The cooks are gonna be like, all right, we're gonna get this done. Okay, run over to run over to Vaughn's and grab some extra milk. Cause like that stuff's gotta happen. People gotta make decisions. So in the garrison environment, you can micromanage things, but as soon as you get into a dynamic environment, as soon as you get into a combat environment, you have to use decentralized command, 100%. And in any organization that's, that's going to progress, you have to use decentralized command. So yes, if you work at a completely controlled environment, you can micromanage. It's, gonna, it's not gonna be as efficient, but it, it is a feasible thing. Yeah. It's not gonna be as efficient, but it's gonna be a feasible thing. As soon as you get to any, any kind of dynamic environment, you're gonna fall apart if you, if you try and micromanage everything. It's the way things work. <laughs> All right, four areas of NCO responsibility. Your country. One responsibility as a Marine NCO to your country is to demonstrate behavior that dignifies the United States of America and the American people. For example, when you are in a foreign country, conduct yourself in such a way that the people of that country will not be offended. Convey the feeling that you are an ally and are in their country as a guest, friend, and protector of freedom. Not every Marine read that section when I was in the SEAL teams in the 1990s <laughs> on ships with the Marines pulling into port. Uh, the Marine Corps. As a Marine NCO, it is your duty to be loyal to the Marine Corps policies. You have responsibility to develop leadership skills, professional knowledge, and proficiency. You develop this skill, knowledge, and proficiency through on-the-job experience, reading, taking correspondence courses, attending service schools, and by seeking new tasks. You also have the responsibility of presenting a favorable image of the Marine of the United States Marines to both public and our sister services. Community activity and friendly inter-service competitions are ways of presenting a favorable image. Check. Organization, your responsibilities to your own organization are many. One important responsibility is training Marines as a team and developing that team's loyalties. And it says here, to achieve good teamwork, a unit must show unhesitating response to orders and regulations. You accomplish this by demanding discipline within your unit by taking responsibility at all times for the conduct of your Marines. So they're going hard in the paint for the garrison life. Yeah. You're bummed out you gave yeah, me this like, book, aren't you? <laughs> I, well, no, I think it's awesome because I'm like, I, I can't help say, like, I know what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's what I'm telling yeah. myself. I'm like, I hear what you're saying. I know what you're trying to say. And so inside that, and you do a good job, like you, you can pull out the components of like, this is really what you need to be doing. Yeah. And so words like demanding, we're not going to say that. Uh, but, but in the end, I go, oh, I, I know what they're getting at. So I think it's actually a really cool exercise to go through this and other things and actually look and go, hey, this is what they're talking about here. This is a better way to do that or this is a, a way to pull out what the lesson could be even though it's not explained very well or not written very well. And the other side is like, 
it'd be better if they just did it, said it differently. So it'd be like, this book is awesome and everything's perfect in here, which is not. But well, well, the crazy thing is we've covered so many Marine Corps manuals where they literally are perfect. I mean, you like, read Warfighting and it's just like, okay, yep, this is a, a totally. don't change a word. And as a matter of fact, embrace this and put it into every aspect of your life. Yeah, and maybe the thing about this, and dude, we always talk about this. We always try to picture the room of the people yeah. that are like in here writing this yeah. and who these people are. I wonder if they like, it's almost like you fall into the trap of like, oh, these young Marines, they need to be, they need to have it explained right. to them. Some, and it's like, no, like you don't need to do that quite so much. Like they, I almost feel like they fell in the trap of, oh, these kids are so young, they're so uneducated, they're so inexperienced. We have to make this so rudimentary that they actually don't do it correctly as opposed to like, no, we need to explain this the way you'd explain it to anybody, whether you're the CEO of a giant company. No, is there differences? Sure, depending on your lay of leadership. But it's almost like they make it, too narrow because they maybe don't think the audience would understand it. Well, I'm going to go one step further. I think you're right where they're like, hey, we're telling these guys what they need to do is shut up and unhesitatingly follow all, all orders. Yeah. That, that's basically it. Like you're going to get told what to do and you should do it immediately. Right. That's what they're saying. Yeah. That's literally what it says. Unhesitating response to orders and regulations. Like that's what it's saying. Now listen, is there an element of that in any organization? Sure. Yeah. However, unhesitatingly, it, what what we're getting at is I'm not going to question anything that yeah. I'm told, and this is the last thing I actually want. Totally. And if I'm dealing with a brand new guy that doesn't know anything, I still want him to go. Hold on, sir. Can you explain to me why we're doing it this way? Because I want him to know that. Yeah. And they don't they don't reveal the fact there's a balance in any of this or dichotomy because there's actually examples you give where you're like, hey, do this, and actually you need your people to respond right away. And when they don't, you need to realize, oh damn, they know something I don't know, and there's a reason they're not doing it unhesitatingly. So even inside that, there's there's a there's a balance in that dichotomy that's just not revealed. So you're gonna read and go, uh, un whatever the word, do exactly what I say when I say it. I'm like, I know what you're saying, but that's not right. Like that's not what. You're, <laughs> what podcast yeah. did we talk about, Colonel Pogue? It, what were you doing? It, it, it was it it was one of those Marine Corps. I believe it was one of those manuals, and we were picturing. Like there was one it, it guy kept throwing in a yeah. sentence, and like it was like the last paragraph of each ch section. It was all these awesome paragraphs, and this one you're like that sucks. That's not right. And you pictured like the guy in charge yeah. was Colonel Pogue, who took all like through his junior Marines' awesome writing, and he's like. I'm gonna make sure they also know at the end, yeah. the person in charge still gets to do what he wants to do or yeah. some garbage like that. And then we, there was that, I don't remember which one, it was that Colonel Pogue. Yeah, and if you don't know what a Pogue is, that's a slang military term for like the rear echelon person that's all authoritarian leadership style and never does anything <laughs> real. <laughs> that's the Pogue. And speaking of Colonel Pogue, unit courtesy is clearly related to the unit's discipline and cooperation. An example of unit courtesy is coming to attention for an officer. <laughs> this is like oh, this is so pre-9-11. Unit courtesy has a special and practical use. Often instructions for a mission must be given in noisy surroundings. Time and effort to, are saved for, if the commander has the attention of all Marines at once rather than waiting for Marines to be quiet. The officers should not be expected to shout over the voices of the Marines and compete with surrounding noise too so like you see they put, they put a nice little element of truth in there like yeah. oh yeah oh you're kind of like yeah yeah but you also you're like thinking mm -hmm. it's like telling it's it, and there is I am a believer that there is truth that being a good follower is get you on the path of being a good leader like being a good follower is important and there's just this this overarching piece of, of 
how to be a follower is like this, the foundation yeah. of this. Like, oh, when 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 Colonel Burke walks in, we better stand at attention. I'm like, oh, Roger that. You know, like I know what you're saying, but yeah, that followership in there is like this blind obedience is not what you want from your people. When the skipper would, when we'd be getting ready to do like at SEAL Team One, when I got to SEAL Team One, and the skipper would come and talk to everyone, like we'd all be in the classroom. And when the skipper would walk in, they'd say, feet. That's what they'd say. Did gotcha. they say that to you guys? Tension on deck. Yeah, they'd say, feet. Gotcha. You know, I yeah. would like that because it was a big change from, you know, you go to boot camp and it's attention on deck, gotcha, attention yeah. on deck. And you get to SEAL Team 1, and I'm young Jocko, and they're like, you're all standing by, and he comes in, and you're like, feet. And you're just like, boom. And you're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was motivated by some weird stuff when I was younger. Uh, developing unit loyalty is another of your responsibilities to your organization. Just as you must ensure loyalty toward Marine Corps policies, you must ensure your Marines have loyalty toward the organization's policies. It's c- kind of strange to be talking about policies like in this book at this juncture. I don't know. Like, Let's talk about combat, people. Yeah. Let's talk about every Marine's a rifleman. And belief in the mission. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah. And like, taking I care of your brothers. Like, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Do, wait, did you mean do you mean take care of your 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 fellow Marine? Is that what you mean here? <laughs> totally. Is that what you mean by <laughs> uh if unit PT is required, this is how you know. This is how you know. If unit, T, you, unit PT is required, you must conduct real PT session. You can't just go through the motions. Making each assigned task as interesting as possible and doing each task enthusiastically will help your develop your unit loyalty. Okay, we'll give it to them. Um, subordinates, as a Marine NCO, you have certain responsibilities to your subordinates. It's a qualifier of certain, right? You have certain responsibilities to subordinates. Actually, you're 100% responsible to your subordinates. You must train subordinates in their MOS to develop the proficiency and skills Marine the Marine Corps needs. Often proficiency in MOS means life and death either to the individual Marine or to another Marine. You must educate your subordinates in the military skills and encourage individual self-improvement. You must be aware of educational opportunities and the unit's policies to know where to direct Marines desiring aid. Cool. They want to educate their Marines. This is this is when you invest in your people. When you you know when you're working at a bank and you got a teller and you're like, hey, we can pay for your you know to get you to get your CPA and you can become a financial advisor. Like if you, when you set people up and you invest in them, you want to talk about developing loyalty. That's how you develop loyalty. You take care of your people. Invest in their education. Give them more opportunity. Talk to them about what it's going to get to get them promoted. Uh, It says here, perhaps the most important of the responsibilities of the NCO towards subordinates is taking care of their physical needs. These needs include quarters and food. You have no control over billeting, which is an interesting thing to say. You have no control over billeting. Okay. But you can ensure that the assigned areas are as good as the situation allows by enforcing high standards of police cleanliness and discipline. You can make the quarters as comfortable as possible. With As with billeting, you have no control over food preparation. But by ensuring that the Marines are on time for meals and in proper uniform, you can make meals more pleasant. <laughs> Oh I'm starting to lose it, dude. I'm starting <laughs> to lose it. Well, here's, a, here's one thing that's crazy to me. I get it, man. I have no, you have no control. That right there, I've, I don't think I've ever told a person in my life, you have no control over this particular thing, right? I don't think I've ever, 
I don't think I've ever told, I certainly would never teach a group of individual human beings, you have no control over your building. I was like, oh, wait, wait a second, what are you talking about? We don't like where we live? Okay, well, what can we do to fix it? What can we do to make it better? Well, let's 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 get together and explain what the shortfalls are, so we can pass up the chain of command, so we can get some improvements. We want you know to get this the the sink in the bathroom to stop dripping. Cool. We I do that maintenance myself. Like what? I have no you have no control over what you eat. Really, I have no control over what you eat. Like maybe today, but if I'm going to live here and I'm in this chow hall, and you don't think that I can raise problems and get things fixed and adjusted and moved, please don't tell me I have no control over something. Um, there you go. I'm firing up a bunch of Marines right now. We're getting fired up. This is the first time the Marine Corps at large is going to be mad at me. Yeah, everyone's going to be going to the chow hall like, we want steak. <laughs> Semper Fi, brothers, you deserve steak. Um, in the field, you will be the last one to eat, Jack. You can take care of your Marines' needs by ensuring that all problems, such as those in quarters, maintenance, food quality, and food quantity are brought to the attention of your immediate supervisor. So you have control. Come on. Marines, like everybody else, need relaxation. Recreation time is made available for all Marines. Organized organizational sports and unit get-togethers are ways of letting Marines relax mentally and physically. You must ensure that Marines get their fair share of liberty. This responsibility to your subordinate Marines is as of much such importance that it will be discussed in a later separate lesson. Before you can expect the most of your subordinate Marines, you must ensure their well-being. Take care of your team and they will take care of you. Take care of your people and they will take care of you. Mayhem out there. Importance of leadership. Why'd you hand me this manual? Just to make me like frustrated? <laughs> uh, it sounds worse. You know, you know, sometimes I've I've told you, I've told both of you guys, like re- I'll read a book. Like when it, especially early on when I'd read a book for the podcast, and I would it first happened with The Forgotten Highlander. I was reading that book and I was like, damn, this is a pretty heavy book. But when I read it out loud, it was so amplified in my head, you know, it was so much more emotional and so much more harsh. When I was reading this a few days ago, I read it on a plane, and um, I was like, oh, oh, that's kind of funny, but now it's like actually cracking me up. (laughs) Check. All right, leadership in general. Importance of leadership. Why is leadership so important? The answer to this question is simple. Without leadership, nothing requiring teamwork can be accomplished. Check. Before you can talk effectively about leadership, you must know what leadership means. There are almost as many definitions of leadership as there are leaders. The definition that combines all the ideas is simply this. The sum of those qualities of intellect, human understanding, and moral character that enables a person to inspire and control a group of people successfully. (laughs) Can we come up with a different word than control? Maybe, (laughs) just maybe we could use the word influence. But they use the word control. Totally. Yeah. So again, we're talking garrison mindset. Like I'm going to get my waiters to do exactly what I tell them to do because I have control over everything and I can control them. Not a good sign. That's so funny, man. Yeah. There, and I don't remember the exact saying, but there's like this metaphor of like when someone's um, sort of in the right area, but 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 off the mark, they they'll say something like. And I wish I could remember it like you did in the reference. You're shooting. You're you're shooting on the right target, which means I, I'm on I, paper. I'm sh- Yeah, but I'm missing the 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 mark or whatever. Is like, if I'm way off, I'm like shooting on somebody else's target. Mm. Like that's a real problem. So it's, I can't help but like, I know what you're. I, you're you're sort of in the right. Like yeah. you're pointing to the right place, 
but you're 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 hitting all over the. You're not off the target, right. but you are off the mark. Like we would say in the teams, like you're on paper. Okay. Meaning, like there's a bullseye that's a little black thing. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like rings around it. Yes. You're not in the rings, but you're there's a the broader, like big giant piece of right. paper at the butts at Camp yeah, Pendleton exactly. or at yeah. an island, and it's like, okay, you're actually you're you're on paper. I mean, you're 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 hitting it. Yeah. We I, you're off the mark. Yeah. <laughs> you have shooting on the right target, which just means like if Echo's like shooting at someone else's target, like okay, we need like yeah. this is a whole different problem. Yeah. But I just like you are not hitting the target, but but you're on the. I know what you're trying yeah. to say, but you're just they're yes. on paper, but they got yeah. some. They yeah. got to make some uh, adjustments. Here. And and that difference is is twenty years yeah. of war. It's like yep. yeah, yeah, and that difference on. Being on paper versus being that's a kill shot versus not, you know, you're you're all gonna die because you can't shoot straight. Totally, man. <laughs> Crazy <laughs> elements of leadership. And you know what's funny is you're gonna see, well, we're not gonna cover this whole manual, but you're gonna see when they get back to sort of fundamentals, it seems like they're trying to explore new territory here. <laughs> that's what it seems like to me. You can almost picture, like, hey, go back and come up with, um, you know, like the best example you can. Yeah, and they're like, okay, okay. I remember this time when I was like the mess hall. Chief. Like, they're not remembering Ramadi or Fallujah or no. Baghdad, or they're remembering cooking or like, yeah. which is fine. But yeah. that's all they have in their repository to come out of. Like, oh, the scenarios that they want to use to illustrate these examples, they don't have yep. the examples. Yep. And what the problem? Here's the problem with those examples. The problem isn't the example of being being logisticians in the Marine Corps and cooking in the Marine Corps, God bless you. And in the Navy, God bless you. The problem is they're not the dynamic situations that demand the type of leadership that we know to be effective. So it just doesn't work as well. If you are cooking in a combat environment and you're talking about how these people need to make decisions on what, what they were gonna put forward, like those are things yeah. that that's decentralized command is gonna is the only way it's gonna work. How are you gonna get food to four four platoons or in four different locations yeah. right now? Right. Doing like crazy twenty four seven operating yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Uh Elements of leadership. This definition does not mention the military because leadership is not exclusive to the military. We concur. Leadership is necessary wherever two or more people get together to perform a common task. Check. The leader's primary purpose is to ensure that the job is done, or in the words of the military, that the mission is accomplished. Three essential elements are needed to perform the role of a leader. The leader is the first essential element. The second element in leadership is the group. And the third is the situation. And I'm not going to cover this because... Again, this is something that I'd never seen before, and it seemed like maybe somebody th- had an idea. <laughs> and the idea is that it needs for leadership to happen, there has to be a leader, there has to be a group, and there has to be a situation, and that's what leadership is. So I get it, but we're not gonna spend a bunch of time on it. Um, the objective of military leadership, the United States military has the mission of keeping our country free. To accomplish this mission, strong military leadership is essential. Marines are all potential leaders and military leadership should be important to everyone. The objective or goal of military leadership is the creation and maintenance of an organization which will loyally and willingly accomplish any reasonable task assigned or indicated and will initiate suitable action in the absence of orders. So, <laughs> what's interesting is it's interesting that it says the goal of military leadership and it doesn't really say anything about war and combat. That's number one. Because that's what the military is for, by the way, is for war and combat. And it can do a bunch of other things as well, and it does. Here's another thing 
willingly, loyally and willingly accomplish any reasonable task. You know what that should be? It should be legal task, right? Because we want to make sure that people are doing things that are within the code of contact, within the, within the law of land warfare. Um, and then they get it right at the end, which is suitable action in the absence of orders. That's like yeah. the tiniest sliver of what we want. Yeah. <laughs> Even in the beginning, like I think it said something like all Marines are potential leaders. Like, stop. All Marines are leaders. Yeah. Just as yeah. something is Marines simple, like, are all potential leaders. Yeah. Yep. No. Nope. No, everybody. Every, every Marine is a leader. Yes. Every one of you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Just like you said, they're on paper. They're on but the we, paper. We get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. We hear what you're saying. Three reasons for military leadership. The first reason is the coordination of people and activities within a unit. That is getting the right people to do the right job. Okay, that's good. Without such coordination, capable people will not be assigned the right tasks. Okay. Second reason for military leadership is to hold a military unit together. A military unit is made up of people organized to accomplish a mission that requires a successful completion of a series of tasks. When the unit is deployed, a number of set tasks must be assigned and completed. Again, it's all top down. This is like this is the, the top down manual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the unit must be inspected to ensure readiness. Training schedules must be prepared, and logistics plans must be made up because it would be difficult for one leader to do all things alone. Unit leaders are needed. Okay, so we want a little decentralized command. Thank you. In the Marine Corps, these unit leaders form a chain of command from the commandant on down to the smallest unit. So. Third reason for military leadership is to ensure unit success. The unit achieves success by accomplishing the assigned mission. Through demonstration, motivation, and hard work, leaders ensure that all missions are accomplished. A leader's failure to ensure that subordinates accomplish their task leads to the failure of the unit to accomplish its mission and thus failure of the military service in carrying out a larger mission. And if the military service fails, our country and way of life are in danger. Okay. Somebody cool wrote that little section and didn't get too heavily edited by Colonel Pogue. Um, responsibilities of leadership. Leadership implies responsibility. Within the military structure, there are two general areas of responsibility for every leader in every situation. They are, one, the responsibility for ensuring that the mission is accomplished, and two, the responsibility to the subordinates who work to accomplish that mission. Excellent, right? Completion of the mission is the first priority of leadership. (laughs) (laughs) I swear, I was just about to say, I wish he had just reversed those two, like Uh, in the previous paragraph, like the way he he wrote it in in order. And here's the thing. These these two, the the, the men and the mission, the subordinates and the mission, taking care of the, and, and putting the mission as the priority. Listen. There are times, and that's that's what the military does. The military has to sacrifice, or at least put at risk, their troops in order to accomplish the mission sometimes. But if you continually put the mission above the troops, you won't have any more troops. And by the way, you'll probably have a mutiny as well. Totally. Because if you're just throwing people to die to accomplish the mission, then they're going to rebel against you. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, this is an ongoing debate. This conversation I've heard and and been a part of and listened to countless times 
all throughout my military career and even t- to now, even in business, you know, this mission or people debate. And I remember when I was, I was out, I was on an exchange with the Air Force when the Air Force like changed their motto. And I think the motto became, motto's the wrong word, so, not their motto, but some guiding principle that said like, or yeah, like it's, they ended up coming, like resolving to like mission first, people always. And and the way I, I, I heard that was like, yeah, it's really hard to articulate this is more important than that. I mean, obviously, we have to achieve the mission. Mm-hmm. The concept of the people, if you want to say the people are the mission or the people are first, it's actually in the vein of making sure the mission gets done. Mm-hmm. It's not to subordinate the mission over the people. It's to recognize as the number one thing I have for me to make sure that I'm successful in my mission, which you could say is the most important thing, is my people. And if you can recognize that, then all of a sudden you don't, this isn't a debate of like what's more important than the other, but if you get them out of order, you undermine your ability to be successful in that mission because without your people, it will not happen. And in fact, the best thing I can do to be successful in my mission is put my people ahead of myself and the chance of me being successful in the mission go up. The other thing is, when you accomplish your mission, even with sacrifice, you should, it should be a win for everyone. So if you're doing missions where there's not, like every single person should be saying, yes, this is what I wanna do because I wanna take, I wanna protect our way of life, I wanna protect freedom, I wanna protect my family, I wanna protect my country. In order to do that, I want to do this mission. So when you accomplish, when you execute, you plan and execute and accomplish a mission, you have, the mission is taking care of the people. Right. That's what should be happening. You shouldn't be going, oh, we're gonna go and do this mission, but no one in my platoon will benefit. Every single person in your platoon should benefit from executing a mission because you're protecting their families, their way of life. Like, that's what we're doing. And, and nowhere is that more true than in combat. Yep. That, and that's, that's how that manifests itself. That's how it becomes to be so real in, when you're in a leadership position is that concept of the meaning behind those missions is like, you would never send your SEALs out on a mission that didn't do anything to accomplish the mission. Mm-hmm. And in that same vein, you wrote about it, that is the, in the core of that is the ultimate dichotomy is you care about your people enough that you know when you send them out there, they might not come back. And the balance of inside that, but that reveals itself and magnifies itself so much in war. That understanding of what am I actually having to go do. And, and I wouldn't waste an ounce of human life on something that doesn't actually help us win. But if it does, the risk of that is they don't come back. Yeah. yeah. Gets into this <clears throat> section here, leadership styles. There are two extremes in leadership styles. The authoritarian, autocratic, and the persuasive, democratic. Each leader is free to choose a style of leadership. <laughs> oh, the choice of leadership style is influenced by situation, by the situation, the subordinates, and the leader's personality. Authoritarian style. The authoritarian leader leads by personal control. Characteristics of the authoritarian leader style are as file are as follows. Let's subord let's subordinates know he is in charge. <laughs> makes subordinates into a team but remains outside the team membership. Tells subordinates what to do and how to do it. 
makes all decisions without asking for suggestions. And then there's the persuasive style. The persuasive leader uses personality to lead and influence subordinates. Characteristics of the persuasive leadership style are as follows. Doesn't emphasize that he's in charge. Develops subordinates into a team of which the leader is a member. Asks subordinates to do their jobs. Makes the decision, but asks for, listens to, and sometimes takes subordinates' advice. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I like, I like how like even in the extreme example of the persuasive style, it's sometimes gonna take the advice, <laughs> you know? And still have to make sure that he's making the decision. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's good stuff. And then it says this, the two styles of leadership mentioned above are the extremes. Each style has its bad and good points. <laughs> <laughs> what are the good points Tell of me the, the first one? <laughs> like letting everyone know I'm in charge, making people in a team but not being a part of it, telling supporters what to do and how to do it, and making decisions without yeah. there's like, like Where's the upside? That, yeah, there's yeah. no upside in there. <laughs> Dang, uh, man. And how about like, oh, hey, by the way, you're Jocko. You're free to pick whatever one you want. Go however you yeah, want to do this. Yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. Not one is good and one is bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just you know you can pick which one. Um, as displayed in front of subordinates, the authoritarian must be perfect, or the subordinates will lose respect for the leader. That's that's a great. That's you. Know, so hey, look, if you want to be authoritarian, obviously just be perfect. That's you know, hey, just go ahead and be perfect. Uh, the persuasive leader must be very alert that subordinates won't play on friendships to get out of doing their work. <laughs> oh, gosh. Very few marine leaders are strictly authoritarian or strictly persuasive. So we finally get a taste of some dichotomy. Balance. Yeah. Um, most of them fall somewhere between the two styles, taking bits and pieces from each. The pieces used from each style are determined by the individual leader, the subordinates, and the situation at the time. Every Marine from private to general needs leadership, whether Marines are aware of it or not. They seek leadership, and it goes in to talk about these t- tangible um, reasons for needing leadership and intangible reasons for leadership. The tangible things are like training, instruction, physical necessities, like your shelter and your food. Those are why you need leadership, because you won't be able to get them on your own, I guess. Uh, incentives, if you want to fulfill the need for incentives and challenges, that's why you need leadership. The intangible ones are you have the uh, people have the the desire for adventure and security and belonging and recognition. So those were not going to spend a bunch of time on those things. <laughs> then we get to the leader's code. Lesson six, the leader's code. To be an effective leader, you must know your profession, professional strengths and weaknesses. The leader's code is a guideline to use in making an honest evaluation of yourself in leadership. After you determine these areas, you can improve weak areas and exploit the strong areas. I didn't think we were gonna have this much fun with this. Well, here's a good example, like the leader's code. This is obviously a big deal. And you've never heard of it before. And it it didn't make it out of this book. (laughs) It's not horrible, but I become a leader by what I do. This is the leader's code. I become a leader by what I do. I know my strengths and my weaknesses and I strive constantly for self-improvement. I live by a moral code with which I set by an example that others can emulate. I know my, isn't there a little bit of arrogance in that statement? I'm just wondering. Hey, you know what, I'm just gonna, hey, I'll be over here just setting an example that you guys can emulate. You guys good? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know my job and I carry out the spirit as well as the letter of the orders I receive. I take initiative and seek responsibilities and I face situations with boldness and confidence. I estimate the situations and make my own decisions as to the best course of action. 
No matter what the requirements, I stay with the job until the job is done. No matter what the results, I assume full responsibilities. Cool. I train my men as a team and lead them with tact and enthusiasm and with justice. I command their confidence and their loyalty. Hmm. Interesting use of the word. They know that I would not assign them any duty I would myself would not perform. Check. I see that they understand their orders and I follow through energetically to ensure that their duties are fully discharged. I keep my men informed, check, and I make their welfare one of my prime concerns. <laughs> check. These things I do self- selflessly in fulfillment of the obligations of leadership for the achievement of the life of the group goal. Check. So make their welfare one of your prime concerns. This should be up there somewhere, you know. <laughs> Uh, and then you're supposed to do like a self-evaluation according to this code. Kind of an interesting concept. And, and you know, look, I'm obviously I'm skipping through, but they've got like suggested activities that you can do. At some time in your career, you've been assigned a job which both you and your senior know you could do. For some reason, your senior stood over your shoulder and kept telling you how to do it. The senior did not trust you with the authority of that job. How did that make you feel? To make matters worse, you discovered later that the job should not have been done in the way that you were instructed to do it, and your supervisor seemed to hold it against you that he was gigged for the job. What can you learn? It gives you a bunch of little examples, which some of them are pretty good. Um, And then it gives you a test and little exercises to do. So that's how you, you complete these books. Developing leaders. Leadership traits and principles and this is where you get to sort of fundamental more pragmatic stuff that is taken from more historical Yeah, I'm uh, guessing doctrine when you you get into traits and principles those are I'm guessing those are gonna be like the Traditional like ubiquitous Marine Corps JJ did type buckle those type of things that that have stood the test of time Yeah, Uh, nature of leadership traits leadership traits are individual characteristics proper understanding of the 14 leadership traits will help you gain the respect, confidence, willing obedience, and cooperation of your Marines. <laughs> Check. The purpose of leadership traits. The purpose of the 14 leadership traits is to help you set guidelines for yourself by evaluating your own personality and with respect to your leadership traits. You can find personal strengths and weaknesses of leadership by following traits as a guide. You can exploit your strong traits and develop your weaker leadership traits. And then it talks about leadership principles as well. And here's the 14 leadership Traits. Number one is integrity. And it gives you a definition of what integrity is, but then it tells you sort of how to execute integrity. As a leader, you must have unquestioned integrity, honesty, a sense of duty, moral principles must be placed above all else. You must be totally trustworthy for subordinates to have faith in you and for your seniors to have confidence in you. The trait of integrity is developed by following four practices. Here's these four practices. Practice absolute honesty and be trustworthy at all times, not only with yourself, but with others. Never shade the truth. Be accurate and truthful in all statements. Don't tell your supervisors only what you think they want to hear. Tell it as is, but tactfully. Stand for what you believe. Even if your belief is an unpopular one, place honesty and duty above all else. So that's the number one thing, integrity. Obviously very important. Next one is knowledge. Nothing will gain confidence and respect of your subordinates more than quickly demonstrating knowledge. And it talks about correspondence courses and reading newspapers for current events and having discussions with experienced people. And it gives you the the things to do. Read all kinds of articles and take courses. Listen to experienced people. Ask questions. The next trait is courage. 
Courage, the physical and mental control of fear is essential to leadership. Courage is a mental quality that allows you to recognize fear, yet enables you to meet danger or opposition with calmness and firmness. Courage is a quality of mind that gives you personal control, enabling you to accept responsibility and to act in a dangerous situation. You show physical courage when you continue to perform in the face of personal danger. Physical courage also means controlling your emotions. You show moral courage when you stand up for and enforce decisions that are right even in the face of popular disfavor. Admitting errors takes real moral courage. To develop the leadership trait of courage, you need to do the following. It's funny that admitting errors is put on the pedestal of needing real moral courage. That kind of shows you the mental attitude of whoever's writing this. I'd be like, hey, bro, I mean, like that's like 101. There's no moral courage in saying, hey, you know what, I made made a mistake here. For this dude, he's like, bro, you need so much moral courage to say I was wrong. This is a good one though. Place duty over your personal desires or feelings. Look for and accept responsibilities. Speak in a calm tone. Keep an orderliness in your thought process and not make any physical danger or hardship bigger than it really is. Stand for what is right, even in the face of popular disfavor. Never blame others for your mistakes. Check, recognize, fear, but control your emotions. So there you go, courage. Decisiveness. <laughs> I think we might. I mean, we might even just call it. Like you never. You ever been in a game where you're like, "All right, dude. Hey, we just need to walk away right now. Like we're calling the game. This one might do it to Dave Burke. It might do it to me. I don't know." So here we go. Next thing is decisiveness. Decisiveness is the ability to weigh all the facts in a situation, analyze the facts, and then arrive at a sound and timely decision. But. Before you make a decision, you must be sure that you have all the facts. <laughs> oh, no. Decisiveness is li- largely a matter of practice and experience oh, to develop the, the trait of decisiveness. You should do the So here's why we're laughing at that. Uh, there is no situation where you have all the facts. It doesn't exist. I mean, even the word facts is a strong word to yeah. use. In combat, facts is a, is a word you probably shouldn't even use. Yeah, like, just insert <laughs> combat into that scenario and no combat leader would would they just wouldn't articulate that way because all you're doing is recognizing you have to make decisions with the void of all sorts of useful information that's just the nature of it Mm -hmm. forget about facts just like basic (laughs) scenario understanding of what's going on which is why decentralized command is so important because the closer you are the more yeah this one is almost like maybe you're off the target a little bit like maybe you're not on the the, the paper i'll give it to you this is not you you just you you didn't even hit the berm bro (laughs) you missed you had a misfire uh so interesting but you know when you look at the military in the 80s and 90s and look at you but you and i were both in the 90s where this isn't me pointing the finger this is me this is what we did it was hey we need to know everything when we would plan these big missions with a 96-hour planning cycle, that was the standard in the SEAL teams. Right. Did you guys have a standard? The, the, I, I actually think there was, I, I know that phrase, the 96-hour planning 96 cycle. 96-hour planning cycle. So if you wanted to go conduct a direct action mission, you need to have a 96-hour planning cycle. Yeah. I have literally conducted direct action missions with seven minutes <laughs> and go and launch. Like, that's what we got to. Yeah. So, and if you think I had, quote, all the facts, bro, we had like a rough grid of where the target might be, update us as we move. 
Well, we had, I mean, I think the term QRF is somewhat universal, like the quick yeah. reaction force. Yeah. We, we had a stand a standing QRF all the time, which had a very short five minutes. We had some number, like it was five minutes. Some At some period of time from the time that got triggered to launch the QRF was a very, very short period of time, minutes, whatever it was. The most likelihood of direct action happened on those Q, like if you were launched on a QRF, you were gonna get into some fight mm-hmm. somehow. And you had no, nope, yeah. there's no, I mean, no it, you best you're like, you're like yelling at the turret gunner who might not even be your turret gunner because he's not actually yeah. all, like, he was so in the chow hall. he's in the chow hall, like, dude, we got to launch. And so even inside that, and listen, somebody wrote this and, yeah. and, and, and that best, guy might even be listening to this. Best intention. Yeah. Best intentions fully in every way. As I hear this, I keep telling myself, I understand what you're saying. <clears throat> that said, and I don't want this to become like an, a lesson of, Oh, if you're not in combat, you don't understand this. That, that's not the point at all. The Actually, the opposite is true is the point behind that is the recognition of all these things that you feel like you want to control when you get in the dynamic environment in business, in raising your kids and having a relationship with somebody and in combat and in all things is the recognition is that you can't do any of these things. You can't do any of these things. So I don't want it to be like Dave's over here like, oh, because I was in war, I know all this stuff. It's the recognition of how much less you can dictate and how much more you have to rely on the people around you, which is why I think the frustration or, or some of it is the humor coming out of like, bro, did you just say control? Like you can't control what they do. Did you just say dictate? You can't dictate to them what they do. And and I think inside that is why I'm laughing at this. But in, in all seriousness, the intention behind that, I understand that. And I have this sense of like, you're like pulling someone from the boot camp scenario and starting to like ease them into the the real Marine Corps. And listen, boot camp and OCS, uh, those are authoritarian experiences. <clears throat> nobody's like, hey, hey, Jocko, uh, what would you, nobody's doing? Nobody's asking what you want to do, and it's almost like they're pulling them into just like a step away from that. My take on this is as you, as you lead and train your people and lead and train yourself. Just behave, act, teach, and train the way you're supposed to without the sense that they're not capable of understanding or they're not capable of, of embracing the right type of leadership. You don't need to moderate moving away from authoritarianism. You should say, don't be an authoritarian leader. Here's the reasons why. Mm-hmm. Not, hey, do what you want, however you want to do it. It's, it's not good leadership. But if all you have is boot camp and do you want Marines to, to, to be responsible? Yeah, I do. I want my Marines to, to do what I tell them to do. I understand why you're saying that, but how you make that happen isn't like telling them what to do. So the gap that's inside there for me is the connection between where they might have come from, and I'm just assuming you pull yeah. this from boot camp, which is not the real world. It's not how you want to lead people, and somehow trying to meet like moderate them into the real Marine Corps. They've done. I'm guessing, obviously. Uh, I think Jim Webb, uh, James Webb's yeah. son. You know, he he writes articles, and he sent me an article that, uh, that they've made some like significant changes in Marine Corps infantry training, and they sounded outstanding. And what it sounded like was it has shifted towards like what I, when I ran training, what we did, which was like really decentralized. Like it was gonna be mayhem, it was gonna be chaos, and they're now hitting these Marines with those type of scenarios so that they're even more prepared. So that's a, a great thing to hear. Yeah. And um, you know, again, it's just, it's interesting how we're gonna drift, right? It's it's when you're in an environment where you can get away with things, you'll drift towards getting away with them. Yeah. And it's important. 
this is almost like a really good reminder. Like you said, it's like not so, like somebody wrote this with bad intentions, but um, this is what this is what we're drawn to, and the and the authoritarian mind is drawn to this even more, and the orderly mind is drawn to this even more. And the highly disciplined, which as you know, obviously, discipline is like my favorite characteristic. And if you have too much discipline, you're gonna fall apart in combat because this is not a disciplined environment. Combat is not a discipline. You need discipline in combat, but things aren't gonna happen the way you want them to happen. And they're not gonna happen the way you expect them to happen. And the Marine that's been obeying you because he was scared of getting written up He's not going to listen to you now because you're telling him to go across the street where there's a freaking, you know, machine gun fire going totally. down. He's not going. Yeah. Or he can't hear you. Or he didn't, you know, his radio got shot. Like there's a million things that are going to happen. Yeah. And you're setting him up to fail too. Yep. So the, the less you can do <laughs> as a leader and the more you allow your team to do, the better they're going to perform. So you're not going to have all the facts. Uh, now it says this form the habit of considering several points of view for every problem that's a good call learn from the mistakes of others that's a good call force yourself to make a decision and then check the decision to see if it's sound well that's a good call talk to people and practice making your conversations logical and clear that's a good call so those are all those are all positive dependability a dependable leader is one who can be relied on to carry out any mission to the best of his or her personal ability cool um, it says pr- the steps are practiced, honest thinking, avoid making excuses. <laughs> we can go stronger than avoid. We can actually say do not. Uh, accomplish the assigned task regardless of the obstacles. Cool. Always be prompt to perform all tasks the best of your ability. Yeah, check. Be careful about making promises and personal deals. But when you have made them, Build a reputation on keeping them. What kind of personal deals are we talking about here? I'm not 100% sure. Maybe that's like in the civilian sector they're talking about. Like, I'll sell you this car for 900 bucks. <laughs> uh, initiative. The trait of initiative is key to being a successful leader. Initiative is simply seeing what has to be done and doing it without having to be told to do it. Yes. As a Marine NCO, you must develop initiative not only in yourself, but in your subordinates as well. Yes. Your Marines will develop trust and respect when you take prompt action in meeting new situations. You develop initiative in subordinates. To develop initiative in subordinates, you should assign tasks according to the subordinates' ability and experience. But once a task is assigned, don't tell subordinates how to do it unless they ask for suggestions. By allowing subordinates to do the job, it not only develops initiative, but frees you to do other tasks. Yes, we nailed one. Dude. We nailed one. Good job. Closely related to initiative is resourcefulness. It goes on about that. Another side of the uh, another side of initiative is the ability to anticipate. Simply stated, this is the ability to foresee situations before they arise. This prior knowledge gives you a chance to plan for the event and have preparations ready to deal with situations. Great. And then just talks about it giving you an advantage. So here's the here's the steps: develop and maintain a state of mental and physical alertness. Look for tasks to do. For tasks to be done without being told to do them, practice thinking and planning ahead, anticipate situations before they're great. The next one is tact. Tact is the ability to deal with people without causing friction or giving offense. More simply stated, tact is the ability to say and do the right thing at the right time. You must 
use tact not only when dealing with seniors but with subordinates as well. <laughs> to successfully use tact, you must be courteous because courtesy given will be returned. It is important that courtesy not be misunderstood as brown nosing. Inexperienced, inexperienced NCOs may feel wrongly that politeness in a military command is a sign of weakness. All orders given will be obeyed, but those given with courtesy will be obeyed willingly. <laughs> Even in emergency situations, I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm digging myself a hole in the Marine Corps, aren't I? I'm chuckling too much. I'm sorry, Marines. Uh, but quite honestly, I haven't worked with a Marine that's um, in this mode I was gonna say in the, my life. I don't think you have any issues because the yeah. Marines that are listening to this are like, they're like, they're, they're, on board. they're yeah, laughing yeah, along yeah, they're with laughing us. They're like, all orders will be obeyed. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Usually you will find that, usually you will find that a calm and courteous though firm manner of speech gets the best results. Tact becomes very important when criticizing a subordinate. Lack of tact can crush a Marine spirit and initiative. Criticism can be, criticism must be made in a manner that points out a weakness in the subordinate's action but still encourages the subordinate to continue to show initiative. Cool. To develop leadership trait of tact, you must do the following. Be considerate. Develop the habit of cooperating in spirit as well as fact. Study the actions of senior NCOs who enjoy a reputation for being able to handle Marines successfully. Check yourself for tolerance and patience. If at fault, correct your own habits. Apply the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Let no Marine superior or subordinate exceed you in courtesy and consideration for the feelings of others. Cool. That's not a bad goal. Try and be nicer to everybody than they are to you. Echo Charles, you're pretty successful at that one. You're a pretty nice guy. Oh, I like to think so, yes, sir. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen you be mean to no, somebody. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's been a long time, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to tell you, okay. brother. Good, good courteous Marine over mm-hmm. there. <laughs> Next one is justice. Justice is fairness. <coughs> um, search your mental attitudes to determine prejudice seek to rid your mind of them learn to be absolutely impartial when imposing punishment or giving rewards search out the facts of each case study human behavior be honest with yourself recognize those subordinates worthy of commendation or reward next one is enthusiasm explain and I'm going straight I'm jumping through some stuff explain why the mission must be accomplished whenever you can do so how about almost always (laughs) No one believe in your work. Tackle all tasks with a cheerful, can-do attitude. Believe in your mission no matter what it is. Hmm. Look, you got to be careful with that one. What is your mission? Why are we doing it? If it doesn't make sense, man, ask some questions. Ask some questions. Bearing. Bearing is a Marine's general appearance, carriage, Deportment and conduct. By your bearing, you establish a standard for your peers, superiors, and subordinates. Your appearance should show confidence, competence, alertness, and energy. Your clothing and equipment should be neat and clean at all times. Your voice and action should be under control. Few things can steady the morale of troops like a leader who, with full knowledge of the difficulties of the situation, neither looks or acts worried. When speaking to Marines, talk in short, plain sentences. Never talk down Marines or allow sarcasm to enter the conversation. Vulgar speech. Frequent loss of temper. I like it says frequent loss of temper. Like occasionally, go for it. And an irritable nature show lack of self-confidence that subordinates easily see. They react to the lack of self-confidence with resentment or even insubordination. Avoid criticizing the entire group of Marines for the failings of a few. Those who didn't want, those who didn't do anything wrong will resent it. Your bearing should show dignity and control of both your emotions and your actions. Dignity shows pride and confidence in yourself and the ability of your Marines. Emotional control shows that you have 
any situation well in hand to develop and improve your bearing, you should do the following. Practice control over your voice, facial expressions, and gestures. Demonstrate calmness, sincerity, and understanding. Master your emotions so that you can control them and they do not control you. Speak simply and directly. Never reprimand subordinates and spell. Uh, observe the study leaders who enjoy reputation. Uh, no one in here regulations. Demand the highest of standards for yourself and your subordinates. Avoid indiscriminate coarse behavior, profanity, and vulgarity. <laughs> they didn't see Full Metal Jacket, maybe. It is amazing. Like I went to OCS, and those Marines, those Marine drill instructors, they never swore. I mean, but I mean, they probably swore five times or something like that. What about the basic school? I mean, to be quite honest, like I, after OCS, I mean, even partially at OCS, like the best leaders that I worked with were were professional, mm-hmm. and, and they. They were articulate in this book professionally. And if I look back and like the guys that I looked up to the most, they were professional. That said, the the use of vulgarity was, I would say, like commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, the, even at the basic school, uh, amongst the marine, were there lieutenant- females going through the basic school. Yeah, again? I was in an integrated uh, company. Like I think one of the first one in the wild. Uh, amongst like the marines was everybody was cursing all the time. What about the instructor stuff? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, okay, the, yeah. The, yeah. Um, and I think my point to that was, it wasn't something that was policed. It was something that was, I think, demonstrated. And like, I don't remember my platoon commander, a guy who I respect. I don't, I have no recollection, and it could have happened, but I don't have a recollection of him cursing. And I have a recollection of some and some not. But like the lieutenant's like, I think I curse, I mean, we curse all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the staff did. Correct. That's the main that, thing. That's right. And the example that was being shown, it's like we weren't emulating that example. The yeah. staff, even at OCS, were pretty professional people in terms of not cursing and just being articulate, well-spoken leaders was valued. Is it hard to get a billet like as an OCS instructor? Not OCS. No, I think TBS is a, TBS. Is a more, um, I don't know if demanding is the right word. And this is, you know, however many years now. But no, T- TBS was a much harder thing than, than OCS back in the day to get a job there. Yeah, the the Marine drill instructors at OCS for me had like a their whole vocabulary of non swear word swear words. Totally. Right? Yeah. Dag-am. That's what Dagum friggin' yep. I that's yep. I remember hearing all that and, and that that stayed true. <laughs> but amongst your peers, like it's yeah. like you didn't follow yeah. that example. Yeah, of but yes, yeah, yeah. Totally. What's TBS? TBS? The, the basic, basic school. school. Yeah. So every Marine go ahead. Dave. No, I mean, you got it. We talked about it earlier. Every Marine, no matter what your job is going to be, pilot, infantry, or everything in between, goes through a six-month course as an officer, which gives you a little bit of exposure to basically every potential job out there. Everything from supply to logistics to communication to artillery to tanks to infantry. So every Marine officer has a little sense of all the things the Marine Corps does. So, so even like, a pilot knows what infantrymen are doing. And the Marine Corps places, places a, a big premium on that concept. Every Marine is a rifleman. Mm. And the investment they make as a Marine, even if you know you're destined to go be an aviator, you go through the basic school like all Marines do. It's like general education for yeah, the Marines. Yeah, kind of like that, yeah. Mm. So you, you get enough of exposure to do what we talked about before, which was just understand what might be going on. You're not going to be an expert in any of it, mm. but you do get exposure to all of it, which is awesome. It paid mm. huge dividends to me. We used to joke about it like, the last time I shot a rifle before I went to Ramadi was at the basic school, which is crazy. So that's like what, 12 years, 13 years or something? Yeah, basic school 94, Ramadi 06. 12 years. Yep. And you hadn't shot a rifle? I had not squeezed the trigger on a rifle since the day I sighted in my M4 
I don't know, a couple months before I deployed. Dang. But I had done it. So I had just enough, like, I, you mm-hmm. know, the basic fundamentals of understanding. But, you know, I had done everything crazy. from, like, 50 cals and two four you know, M60s at the time and Mark 19s and, and all that stuff. That is but so jacked up. It's crazy, man. Like, like think about me. <laughs> <laughs> totally, dude. Like, I had spent, like, literally my entire adult life just doing that. You know how many millions of rounds I'd shot? Maybe you're rethinking bringing Dave on all those missions we did together. <laughs> <laughs> this guy can't shoot around. In my mind, I was looking at you like, hey, he's a, he's, squared he away. a pilot, but he's a squared away Marine <laughs> rifleman at heart. Meanwhile, yeah, I like, shot wait. the pistol every year for however many years, but I hadn't touched a rifle. Which way does the magazine yeah, go in? Totally, man. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. It was a steep learning curve for me to get back. Did you, how long was like a workup? Did, how did you get ready? How many rounds did you shoot before you went on deployment? Dude, remember, man. So I got to my Anglico unit basically October of 05. And I spent the first, I don't know, month basically doing the tactical air, you know, TACP. Mm-hmm. All that was, I was just going to be in Japan for a year. And then around Christmas time, like, hey, we need volunteer. You know, I got volunteered for that. I volunteered for that job. They're like, hey, we need volunteers to go to Iraq. I'm like, well, I'll go to Iraq, you know? You know the whole story behind mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But it wasn't till- but that was in January. That was in December. Okay. So for Christmas, it was like, hey, honey. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was when I kind of broke the news like this whole thing. And you were newlywed at that time. We had just gotten married. That's yeah. right. Hey, sorry. So we go on Christmas, come back in January. She was thinking like, maybe a trip to Japan. Totally. Like it's She's like, this would be the blast. Go to see the Kodakon. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> judo players, where are you at? We, we go Christmas vacation, the holidays, whatever. And in January, they're like, hey, all the Iraq Marines are going to Camp Lejeune. So I got to Camp Lejeune, January, I don't know, I'll call it like the 10th or whatever it was. And I deployed February 20th. So I had five weeks. Five weeks. You know how many... Not a lot, dude. <laughs> Not a lot. A little. I like it was like BZO'd and then I did a couple of courses. Dang, but you know, dude. keep in mind too, like I use my rifle obviously. Yeah, yeah. But my primary yeah, yeah. weapon there was the radio and you know, clearly I was I was much more inclined to do that. Um but dude, I don't I I, I, I wasn't shooting rounds to that rifle at all. Hardly ever. Did you do immediate action drills? Like with your team? Yeah. <laughs> like, I did very little of that. Uh-huh. Now, I had a couple of pretty squared away staff NCOs. Dude, you must have been so stoked rolling out with us. You Bro. must have been like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, these guys have got I was mostly, covered. I was more, and I, you know, I look back and talk to Leif about it. I was mostly stoked that you were cool with me coming with you. Like, that, even to this day, I look back, like, the fact that they had enough confidence in me and my guys so we could, be with you guys was pretty awesome for me. Now your guys, these are these are like infantry marines that get assigned to Anglico. How does that work? Well, it's it's a my guys were almost 100% artillery. Really? Yeah. Just most Anglico is artillery. They're not all. They're, they're that's because they serve as forward observers at some point. That's exactly right. Okay. They had experience with calling an air. Uh, I'm sorry, calling for fire, artillery call for fire, um, and forward observers, things like that. It's not some rule that it has to be artillery, but the thing that was crazy though is my team, my so I had a 13-man team. My five of us that I stayed, because we ended up doing missions as, as a small unit leader, I had three teams, I was one of those three teams. Every one of my guys was artillery and had never deployed. Dang, bro. So it was kind of crazy. That's wild. Glad you didn't know this back then. <laughs> Glad I didn't either. <laughs> Damn, you guys were pros though. Like we did all right, man. Yeah, we did all right. That's freaking legit. 
it was pretty cool uh, to be with you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's wild. Because I was like thinking like randomly you and I would be just like out in a building somewhere <laughs> in Ramadi and you're like telling him like, hey, what do you got? You're like telling me what's going on. I'm just thinking you're a rifleman. <laughs> 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 oh, it's freaking Check. awesome. Uh, next thing, endurance. Endurance, like courage, has two distinct parts. Physical endurance means being able to function effectively when tired or in pain. Mental endurance is the ability to think straight when fatigued, distressed, or in pain. Demonstrated endurance brings respect from subordinates. Lack of endurance fails not only to set a proper example for subordinates to follow, but can also be mistaken for a lack of courage. You can increase both mental and physical endurance by doing the following. Avoiding excesses that lower both physical and mental stamina. Keeping physically fit by exercise and proper diet. Check. Learning to stand discomfort by undertaking hard physical tasks. Check. Forcing yourself to study when you are tired and your mind is sluggish. Check. Finishing every job regardless of obstacles. So there you go. Good to go. We support. Next one is unselfishness. The unselfish leader is one who gives credit where credit is due. Unselfishness means not taking advantage of a situation for personal gain at the expense of others. No subordinate can respect an NCO who takes credit for jobs well done and blames others when performance is poor. Check. An unselfish Marine NCO will ensure subordinates' needs come before personal needs. Check. To develop your trait of unselfishness, you should do the following. See that subordinates have the best that can be obtained for them under the circumstances. Try to understand the problems, military or personnel, of subordinates. Um, David Bellavia, he, t- he told that story about um, his like battalion sergeant major, and they're like out in the street, and his battalion sergeant major has an old M16 with iron sights on it, and everyone else has got like the high speed stuff. And he, like, that's what David Bellavia remembered is that his command sergeant major, who was killed in combat, what he remembered about him is like he wouldn't take the good weapon. You know, that's that, like, I I remember thinking about that after he was on the podcast, and I was like, that's what he remembered. Of all the things you remember, he remembered a bunch of other things, but like, think of how much that stands out. Like, this guy. He wouldn't take the good weapons from the troops, even though he's the senior enlisted man in a freaking battalion. Might even have been a regimental sergeant major. But um, just awesome. Put the comfort, pleasures, and recreation of your subordinates before your own. In the field, your Marines eat before you do. Give credit to subordinates for jobs well done. Check. Loyalty. Loyalty is the quality of faithfulness to your country, Marine Corps, seniors, and subordinates. Demonstrated loyalty wins respects and confidence. Loyalty means supporting the views and methods the unit employs, but doesn't mean becoming a yes man. Thank you. So there you go. We get a little bit of, you know, some v- Vietnam dude. You got threw, a Desert Storm guy yeah, in there, right? Desert yeah, Desert Storm guy yeah. threw something yeah. in there. <laughs> to develop loyalty, you should do the following. Be quick to defend subordinates from abuse. Well, thank you. <laughs> Never give the slightest hint of disagreement with orders from seniors when giving instruction to subordinates. Now, I made a little note here, because there was a, I don't know if you remember this, the very first trait that got covered was integrity. And it says, be accurate, truthful in all statements. Don't tell your superiors only what you think they want to hear. 
tell it as it is, but tactfully. Practice absolute honesty at all times, not only with yourself, but with others. Never shade the truth. So now, just FYI, we're saying never give the slightest hint of disagreement with orders from seniors when giving instructions to subordinates. So it's like we understand the caveat that we're throwing on there. Here's the problem. This is not a good plan. It's not. First of all, because the team will see through it. Because you're telling them to do something that doesn't make sense. You know it doesn't make sense. And if you know it doesn't make sense, they're all going to know it doesn't make sense. Okay, maybe they won't all know. But you got a platoon of 40 guys. 12 of them know. Nine of them know. Nine of them are looking at you like you're a jackass. And we don't believe you. So how do we make this happen? It goes back to earlier when we're, when we're talking and we develop a relationship with our boss so that we can say, hey, boss, can you explain to me why we're doing this? And if you have a good relationship with them and something doesn't make sense, either they can explain it to you so it does make sense or you can explain the ramifications that are going to occur and why this is a bad idea. And if you still get the shut up and do what I told you, you go down to the troops. You don't lie to them. You go down to the troops and say, hey, fellas, look, I pushed back against the boss. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. We're going to do it to the best of our ability. And here's how we're going to mitigate whatever problems might occur. That's what you do. I'm even thinking, you know, Hackworth going on those patrols. Like, there's a, even in that whole the whole spectrum that's inside there of like, all right, Jocko is the worst boss in the world. He's going to order my guys to do something to get him killed. I can I can fall on my sword, which is like the classic. It's like the um, what's the word? It's like the most romantic. Like, oh, that like Dave's going to fall on his sword. I keep reminding people. You know what happens when you fall on your sword? You you fall on your sword. You die. You die. <laughs> that's not good. And then Dave gets replaced with yes, Echo is like whatever you say, boss. And in that case, like, all right, we're going to go on that patrol. These are dumb. So what I'm going to go outside the wire. I'm going to set up this. I'm going to come back. Hey, we got no contact today. So even you're even talking about even the spectrum inside there. Mm-hmm. But the thing of it is that you. I think the key takeaway from that because the truth of the matter is most of the time you're not getting these orders yeah. going to get your people killed. No. That's such a rare like an extreme example. Most of the time it's just like dumb. Okay, nobody's going to die. It's not going to ruin the company, but it's dumb. Inside there, if I come back and go, hey Jock, hey guys. This is the best idea ever. Boss is awesome and we're gonna go do this. I'm gonna lose so much leadership capital, leadership credibility, but I can say, hey, listen, I know this can be frustrating sometimes. I know sometimes it doesn't make sense. Here's what we're gonna do, here's why, let me explain it. And if it's not gonna get anybody killed or put any risk, they'll they'll still do it. But the reason they're doing it is not undying obedience to your leadership, it's actually that you are being honest with them. You have integrity. You got integrity, exactly. Which and so that, even key. that that, de- that definition inside there, even understanding that there's a balance even inside that concept. I remember uh, getting told, there's two, two, two good examples of this. One of them is from um, Band of Brothers. When they send the recon across the river, someone gets killed, they come back the next night, the colonel's like, hey, send, some, send another recon tonight. And he's like, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. He's like, shut up and do it. He says, okay. And they go sit in the basement of the totally. thing and drink wine. Yep. There was, I, I heard this story when I was a new guy that you know in Vietnam, these guys got told, hey, you're gonna go out and do a patrol in this area and they, or set up an ambush in this area. And they're like, hey, it's a bad area. It's not gonna be anything. And they're like, no, shut up and do it. And he goes, okay, cool, yep. Or whatever, the platoon commander said, cool, got it. They went, patrolled you know, 200 yards outside the gate sat in the bushes for five hours, patrol back in, hey, no no contact, didn't say anything. Yeah, so, I just said that, I associated with Hackworth, but that I'm, I'm misplacing that, it's the story, it's that story that you told of like, oh, okay. I don't know why I connected to Hackworth, but it was that those patrols of like, boss says to do this, I'm gonna go do this, but I'm actually not really doing it. Yeah. Um, that's that's exactly what it was, it came from from the story you told. Right, and that is like, look, that is, 
now, now we're now we're starting to develop some issues, right? Yep. Now we got some issues. Um, we got some issues because now we're we're giving false information up the chain of command. So now we're in just as bad of a spot as doing down. So that is not the right answer. Totally. Um, the right answer is to develop that relationship. But what you're talking about, you said use the term in extremist people going to get killed. So if we talk in, in extremist people going to get killed, I'm not going to get my guys killed if it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, but that, like you said, this is not like, oh, another day in the military got ordered to do something that's going to get about. That doesn't, I got asked this the other day. I just guy pulled me aside after an event and he's like, you know, what are you doing? You get ordered to do something that is, you know, immoral. And I was like, oh, don't do it. He goes, oh, you just don't do it? And I was like, mm, no, you can't do things that are immoral, unethical, or illegal. You can't do them. As a matter of fact, I said, it's your duty not to do them. A general order of the century says you must obey all lawful orders. It's a, if there's things that are unlawful, you don't do them. In fact, you have to not do them. And he was kind of looking at me surprised. He goes, well, how often did that happen? I go, it never happened. Exactly. <laughs> never, and, actually zero times yeah. in and, 20 years. And that's that's really the point, the center of the point I was trying to make is we create this like, we create some story that I'm being told by this awful evil boss who's trying to get all my people killed and how do I handle that? I'm like, well, that never happened to me. Yeah. Has it happened in history? Yeah, I guess it, it, it does and then inside that, but from your perspective or, or from the point you're making from a leadership standpoint, if, if I've done all these other things right and I got a good relationship with my boss, Jocko, Hey, what do you? What are the chances of getting? Hey, Dave, I got this unethical thing. I want you to go. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Hey, I got a, I got a plan. I want you to go. Actually, it's a bunch, bunch yeah. of people are going to get wounded or killed. Yes. Go ahead and execute it. Totally. So those those scenarios and don't, I have no reason why. Right. They, <laughs> they don't and they don't just sit by themselves. That doesn't just happen. Yeah. Uh, so we want to avoid the idea that like, all right, what do you do in this case? Yeah. Well, that never happened to me. But that didn't happen. I never once had a relationship with my boss by which he said, "Hey, come here." Half your people are going to die. It serves no purpose, but I want you to go. To like, come on, man. Like, we're not doing that. Hey, Dave, you know what? This is going to cost the company a bunch of money. It's going to give us a bad reputation, and we're probably going to get some people to quit. Yeah. I want you to go and go execute, execute this. Right. And you're like, cool, got it. <laughs> Stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but that's also why truth, that's if the leading trait here was integrity up and down the chain of command. So we like that. Yes. Um, Practice doing every task the best your ability. Wholeheartedly support your commander's decisions. How do you best support your commander's decisions? By guiding your commander and pushing back against your commander when something doesn't make sense. And getting on board with the little things that aren't, aren't going to matter that much. Totally. You tell me to do something, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to kick ass at it. If you tell me to do something that's totally stupid, I'm not going to let you make that mistake. That's how I'm going to wholeheartedly support you is by being smart and having a good relationship with my boss. Never discuss the personal problems of subordinates with others. Cool. Stand for your country, the Marine Corps, your unit, and your fellow Marines when they are unjustly accused. Check. Never criticize seniors in the presence of subordinates. <coughs> Check. With a caveat. You know, like you said, if, if you're doing something, if you're being told to do something that doesn't make sense, but it's not worth, quote, falling on your sword over, it's like, hey, listen, here's why we're doing this. I know it's not maybe the best way to get it done, but in order to develop a better relationship with the boss and gain more clout with him, we're going to go ahead and execute this. We're going to wear our freaking dress uniform tonight. And everyone's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yep. I, I, I wish I was kidding you, but I'm not. Yeah. We're going to, and you know what? We're all going to look so sharp that the boss is going to know that we're the platoon that can get things That's done. That's such a great example. Because those are the, it's like, boss wants the paperwork done 12 hours ahead of the due date. You know, like, oh, come on. Like, guys, listen. <laughs> That's the t those are the scenarios wear your uniform you don't want to wear getting paperwork done those are the far more realistic scenarios you had to come down and go hey guys I know this is a little bit frustrating but 
as opposed to boss is sending us on, on the suicide mission with no benefit. That's not that's not the scenario that's more likely. It's the one you just described like, guys, I know you don't want to do this. I know sometimes this comes out, it can be kind of frustrating, but we're going to do this and here's why. And and if you got a good relationship with your people, most of the time we're going to go, okay, fine, no worries, Dave, we got your back and they're going to just get it done. It's Dude, not that big of a deal. I just remembered at Stoner's funeral in Hawaii, there was some guy that was there I want to say it was in Hawaii, who was stationed on the ship with Stoner. And they, he, Stoner was in charge of, like, I don't even know what he's in charge of, um, like some department on the ship. And they pulled into port, and Stoner, like, gave the Liberty brief. He's like, hey, you guys, you know, like, Liberty, go, go, go don't get in trouble. And they were all like, damn, we don't have any duties or whatever. And as they got, this guy, he said they were leaving the ship, and they looked, like, wherever, on the ship and stoner was there like doing the duty that they all had to do like they had to clean something to do something and he was up there just like doing it by himself and i was like check and the, the dude was so freaking like pumped you know um that's taking care of your people totally. uh never criticize oh yeah never criticize your seniors and friends and subordinates you know check do not discuss command problems outside the unit check be loyal to your seniors and subordinates check support the lawful policies of senior officers whether you personally agree with them or not Loyalty is a two-way street. What I would ask you to do is not to support the lawful po- policies of senior officers, whether you personally agree. What I would ask you to do is understand them. I would ask you to understand why your boss wants you to wear a uniform on a Tuesday night. I would want you to understand why your boss wants you to turn the weapons in at a certain time before goodbye. You know, like understand. And give them the benefit of the doubt. That's 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 a little bonus too, because you could be hypercritical about everything, and nothing makes sense. If you want to be hypercritical, literally nothing makes sense in the military. It's yeah. all freaking. It's all just dumb. So if you want to go level twelve hypercritical, and it's the same thing in any company. You go. To, we. I could go to some company right now, and start talking to the subordinate teams, start talking to the frontline personnel, and we could get a list of stupid things that that company's doing, and we could never stop writing them down. So instead of looking for what's stupid, try and understand why these things are happening. And this is the last one, judgment. Judgment is the ability to logically weigh facts and possible solutions on which to base sound decisions and includes common sense. When faced with a new problem or information you don't understand, seek advice before you attempt a solution. It isn't degrading to ask questions. Note to self. In leadership strategy and tactics, one of the things that a leader is supposed to do is ask questions. (laughs) It is embarrassing to arrive at a poor solution because of the lack of judgment to seek help. To develop the trait of judgment, you should do the following. Practice making estimates of the situation. That's something you can do as a leader. Get Get your team members, someone that you're trying to coach and mentor, be like, hey, Echo, what do you think we should do right here? What do you think's going on? And talk, have them talk you through it. And you're going to get better. You're going to come up with a better solution anyways. But if I have Echo try and come up with a solution, estimate the solution, or estimate the situation, come up with a solution, come up with a plan, I'm detached and I, all of a sudden I get to see a different perspective that I didn't see before. So there's a little, a little bonus. There's a bonus to that. Anticipate situations which require decisions to be prepared when the need arises. Cool. Avoid making rash decisions. I like how they use the word avoid. I would go strong. Like, don't make rash decisions. Mm. And I wouldn't use, the, you know, you don't want to say never, but 
you need to go stronger than avoid. Like, as often as possible, avoid making rash decisions, right? Maybe even a little stronger than that. We'd have to break out the thesaurus and get busy to figure out where we're going. And the last one here, approach problems with a common sense attitude, which may sound common sense, but sometimes it's not. Um, there you go. Some more leadership. What do you got, Echo Charles? When you, you the, kind of rewinding to that maybe a few one few lines ago, mm-hmm. when, you know, let them come up with a plan or whatever yep. just to give give them the, the opportunity to exercise yep. their capability. Yep. Or whatever. Are you going in there with knowing you're not going to use their plan and they know that? Or no, are no. you like... Maybe you come up with a good plan. Yeah. If you come up with a plan that's like viable, yeah. sounds good to me. Right. Yeah. If, if you come up with an idiot plan, we're not going to use it. But what are the chances of you coming up with an idiot plan? Yeah. I if if I said to you right now, you have no military experience. If yeah. I was like, hey, Echo, we've got to attack this building. Yeah. You'd probably come up with a plan that was almost usable. Right? You'd be like, well, we should put some guys over here and... Maybe I give you a five-minute class. Then you, if I give you a five-minute cl- class, you could probably come up with a plan that we would execute. Yeah, and I'd be like, "Cool, sounds close enough." Okay, so so it's like the primary primary purpose for you doing that is to give them exercise, but completely open, completely for open. For, for for that to Man, be the, the jam. And as you know, this is like how I roll, anyways. I mean, yes. this is like what I do all the time with everything. That's kind of why I was asking. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, are you like in your mind saying? plan but in case he does we'll go with it kind of a thing no. or because there's a difference between that and then really leaning on someone for the plan like yep. you know if if it's clear that dave knows more than you mm-hmm. or me or whatever about something you're like hey we, we better go to dave for, yep. for this plan you know that's like leaning on him for it but sometimes it's like unnecessary but the primary reason you want to give them the exercise so down the road or whatever they're going to be yep. really good but that's the primary purpose you see what i'm saying I don't even know if it's the primary purpose because when I, if Dave's working for me and he's a platoon commander or he's a project manager for me, and I go, hey, Dave, how do you want to execute this? It, yes, he gets education. Yes, he gets to learn. But yes, he's probably going to come up with a decent plan. And if, as long as he comes up with a decent plan, we're probably going to execute that thing. Maybe we've got to make a couple adjustments, but that's kind of what we're doing. So mm. it's a, it's not even like, hey, if you're trying to change, train someone. Right. right. If I'm working with someone, I'm going to try and let them come up with a plan. It's going to make me better because when Dave comes up with a plan, I look, I have a plan in my head, right? I've got something. Even if I look at a target for three seconds or I look at a project for three seconds, I go, yeah, I know what I do here. Mm. As soon as I ask Dave, I get a whole d- totally different perspective. Yeah. And so, and, and by the way, Dave only sees what Dave sees. So now when I say throw something out there, he's like, oh, and it's like building my leadership capital because I'm listening to him, but I also have good ideas myself. Mm. It's just a win, 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 win across the board. Understand. So, fundamentals of marine leadership. Dave Burke, there you go. You handed me this manual. We got some good. We got some bad. We got some ugly. We only covered a little bit of it. I don't. I don't know if we're gonna dig back into this thing, but uh, the important thing is to always dig, see what you can find. What do you got? Anything else? No, I think we said it. I mean, inside there, like I said. In every case, I was thinking to myself, I understand what you're saying, yeah. but so that's all good to go. I actually, I'm actually interested to in see if there's like a new, like 
an updated version, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 2017 version of this that has, you know, 17 years or 16 years of combat experience inside there. Um, for me, it's kind of cool, though, the 14 leadership traits, those, those you know, we called it JJ did type buckle. Mm-hmm. That's the acronym. Justice, ju- judgment, decisiveness, initiative. You know, all, all those letters that go on, yep. you know, that you talked about. That has stood this te- test of time. And as you as you read what they meant, I'm like, that's right, that's right, that's right. It also, I think, gets to the, you know, explaining this stuff is harder than it seems. And we talk about leadership all the time. We teach some of the most rudimentary leadership behaviors in the world. Cover and move. Communication. And yet we know how hard it is to do them. And so inside this, you get this sense of even, even for these folks, understanding it and explaining it and being able to do it are di- very different things. The stuff is hard. Explaining it is hard. Learning it and understanding it is so much harder than it is to just say it. Yeah. And it was, it's actually cool to hear as, as you're talking through that, my leadership radar, my leadership ear, like wrong, 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 wrong. And to be able to pull out even some of the nuance inside there, even like you said, don't say avoid being a tyrannical leader. <laughs> don't be a tyrannical leader. And this was, you had some fun with that, but this was cool to see that I had this sense of this as someone struggling to articulate a concept they understood, but didn't know how to teach it and didn't have the, the, um, the experience reservoir to go, oh, okay, this concept, now I can put meaning around this content, concept based on my experience. I would say that a little yes to that, but also I would say that where I thought you were going with that is, look, you can read the word decisiveness and you can understand, you can understand what that means and I can understand what that means, but someone else, apparently this guy, thinks that decisiveness means you need to understand all the facts. So even these things that we understand a certain way, Mm -hmm. their interpretation of what decisiveness means is different. And quite frankly, in some of these cases, not correct. So they were able to take correct concepts and teach them in a way that are incorrect. I don't think it had anything to do with not being able to express it or articulate it. I think they actually didn't understand the thing. Yeah, what that actually uh, means. What that actually means. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about um, some of those decentralized command that were run, I'm kind of like flipping through to see some of those examples where I like wrote like, no. <laughs> like, like what we just said, never give the slightest hint of disagreement with orders w- when giving instructions to subordinates. So we're, we're, we're not telling the truth to our troops. Loyalty, I would focus on, hey, if you're loyal to your boss, you don't let them tell you to do something. That doesn't make any sense. That's not being loyal. Totally. It's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing I want for loyalty from Dave Burke is I'm like, hey, Dave, charge that machine gun nest with your squad, elevated position, go. The last thing I want from you is you, yes, sir, and charge. Yeah. I want you to be loyal to you, to your troops, and loyal to me by saying, hey, boss, this is dumb. We need to lay down cover fire and we'll maneuver around the outside. So it, there's some there's some swings and some misses, which is very interesting. I was thinking this, I, I started thinking about this. I'm like, is was this thing like the Navy achievement medal of some like some like lieutenant colonel or major that was like, you know, uh, rewrote the Marine Corps fundamental like and he just kinda that was his project and he got after it, you know? Yeah. 
I, I, <laughs> I wish it's the same with all the ones. I wish you could have just been in the room because there's shades. There's little peaks of yep. oh that guy nailed it. Whoever that guy was, like you went through that one, you're like nailed it. Yep. It, you almost have the sense like that's someone who understands it and got his fragments of this thing in this pub. Yep. Whereas the other guy who doesn't understand it got his fragments in, and when you put them something like yep, nope. You know, it's what you were talking about: being on paper versus being on target. Right, and this 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 has happened to us at Echelon Front, where we get a leader, we go and work with the leadership team, and they take a principle, and we check in with them. You know, three weeks later, we will go back there, and you can see this one person. They're on paper, but man, they're not hitting the mark. And you know, for them, extreme ownership meant I'm going to dictate everything that's happening here, or. Decentralized command meant I, I can go to the Bahamas for the next two weeks on vacation because I'm gonna let my team so They take it a, and interpret it the wrong way. Yeah, so this stuff There's there's probably just like just like shooting like there's a chance You know I'd take Dave and get you dialed in at 300 yards on your rifle You're gonna do pretty good if I take a group of a hundred people and do that I'm gonna have some people that cannot that aren't gonna be hitting paper. Yep and so that's what we have to watch out for. And that's you know what's interesting about working at Echelon Front. Like, because we do this all the time, like we, we, we know and we also have the ability to go, oh, yep, this person's gonna be a little bit off target. Hey, two clicks to the right, one click down, we're gonna get you dialed in bullseye on this stuff. And even that can be hard. There's some people there, they're, they're, they're praying spray. Some people have the vision of, you know, finally Jocko's gonna come to my company and get everyone in line. Fix it's like everyone, yeah. It's like, no, it's not quite gonna go like that. So when I read all these things, keeping an open mind about what you're reading, what you're interpreting, about what you're understanding, thinking that, you know, even when someone presents me tomorrow afternoon, I'm working with a company and someone says, Hey Jocko, I don't think cover and move works. I don't think to myself, hey, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I know it. No, I go, talk to me about why not. What is the situation? So keeping an open mind and not thinking that you know everything is, is extremely important. And even dictating, right? That's one, I think one thing that sat a little bit wrong about this, this book for both of us is there's a lot of dictating the way things are with with no outs, with no deviations. And that's always problematic. It's always problematic to paint yourself into a corner. It's always problematic to carve things into stone. Yeah. There should be some things carved in stone, very few. The things that you carve in stone, they, they should be very, very few. And even when you carve them into stone, you should be able to move that rock around a little bit. Yeah. I, I think that's an awesome metaphor. And then the other word that, that certainly triggered a response in me is the concept of control. How this is about controlling, yeah. like, and we both that word were like, wow, that that. But even conceptually, like, if you are, if you in your mind think this this is a tool or technique to control people, mm-hmm. your interpretation is going to be wrong because even the outcome that you're trying to achieve, or even what leadership really is, you've got. And you talk about different perspectives. If the perspective is this is a tool to control other people, you've got this wrong. Yeah. And that was the other word that really hit me. Like, man, that's that is not what we're trying to achieve here. Yeah. If you're like throwing out, hey, if you got to be authoritarian, you know, there's a time and a place. Hey, and you know what? Is there? Yeah, sure. There's a time and a place. 
There's a time when there's an emergency going on, people don't know what's happening, and you gotta get up and be like, hey, everyone be quiet, we're moving over to this place. That happens. But it shouldn't be happening a lot. Yeah. So there you go, Check. leadership, uh, lessons learned. Thank you, Marine Corps. You know Marine Corps, you're my people. So I know you're with me now. <laughs> we just had to, we had to dispel some stuff in this one. Uh, appreciate it. What else, what else we got, Echo? People are getting, we're getting smarter. We are. We're keeping an open to. mind. We are. We are trying to, yes. So we're on the path. We're avoid keeping in a, a closed mind. I'll That's tell you that. definitely a good thing. Doing our best to avoid that. Uh, yes. So, you know, we're on this improvement path, growth path. Mm -hmm. And we need supplementation sometimes. So Jocko has supplements as we're going to talk about first. Mm -hmm. So additional protein Check. in the form of a dessert. Short description. Yeah. See what I'm saying? There you it's go. called you, you milk. Did it. You did it. Yep. <laughs> it's its own thing. Yep, it is. Um, also energy drinks, but they're not regular energy drinks. They're good energy drinks. Boom. Called Go. That's going to help us on our mental and physical path as well. Yep. Creatine, speaking of physical, bringing it back. Studied, proven yep. for improved uh, performance, results, gains, all that. Oh, gains. Oh, yeah. That's true. Actually, you know, I, there, I only had a small stint of creatine. Oh, really? Yeah. It was, I guess, not so coincidentally the strongest I've ever been, though, in the weight room. See? Yeah. Well, there you go, scientifically proven and bro-scientifically proven. Yeah, I just <laughs> never was that into supplements. Yeah. And then, yeah, maybe I should have been. I don't know. But I got some creatine now, though. Got called up that. now. So we're back in the game, yeah. Um, also, what else? We got joint health, keep your joints. Pretty much everything for every, every supplement for pretty much any part of our Path. We got you. We got you. Mm -hmm. Not to mention some new stuff coming out. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to uh, pop the hype bubble on the new thing. Yeah, but keep, there's some new. Keep the hype bubble. Some new Check. hype. Um, there you go. Jockofuel.com. Get it at Wawa. Vitamin Shop. Um, Meyer. Murphy's. H-E-B. Military Commissaries. It's in there. Hannaford in there. So we a bunch of different places. Circle K down in Florida. Jockofuel.com. If you need to order it, order it. Get stronger. Get smarter. Well, yeah. Get healthier. Get better. Yeah, those Monk RTDs are like. Yeah. And you don't really understand like how good they are until you really have them because they're only good on paper. Yeah, it's funny you guys were using the expression on paper because you know what on paper usually means like. Um, it makes sense if you on oh, yeah, paper yeah. do the yeah. equation this on paper, but in real life, on paper, yeah. yeah, real life or in the field or whatever is different or whatever. Yeah. So that's what I mean by this one. But yeah. um, so on paper, you're like, okay, yeah, cool. RTD, you don't got to mix it up or whatever. But that element of it is a big deal when you really have them. It's where I'm just sucking them down. Yeah, it's a little too easy. Right? Yeah, like <laughs> you're like drinking like four of them. Yeah. In a day. 120. Sometimes 20. Yeah, there you yep. go. Uh, no, I was going to say 120 grams of, you know. Oh, yeah, the protein. protein. Yeah, 30 grams each. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jockerfuel.com, originusa.com, get your geese. Get your American-made jeans. Jeans are American, 100%. Jeans are American. Yep. And you might think you're buying some iconic American jeans that got made by a slave laborer in a foreign country, in a, in a unhealthy environment, in a dangerous environment. So don't do that. Get yourself an American-made stuff. OriginUSA.com. Jeans, geese, boots. Support America. Support yourself. There you go. Are you? Would you guys ever do bell bottoms? 
Like a throwback to the 70s. Jeans. Uh, I don't think so. Did you wear bell bottoms? No, I'm I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, brother. Disco. Actually, you know when I wore bell bottoms in the navy. In the navy, oh, well, there when, you go. You, when there I went you to go. boot camp, mm. you had to wear these things called dungarees. They don't wear them anymore, and they mm. were they were bell bottoms. Mm. They were, bro. It was so lame. It was the lamest uniform ever. Okay, so you weren't down with. We the called bell them dunger jams because <laughs> they called them dungarees in the navy. But we called them mm. dunger jams and buds, and. You were so happy to get out of those things, but you remember Higgs, yeah, Jeff Higgs. Yeah. So he got dropped from training, mm. and they took away his Bud's uniform, mm. and they put him back in his Dunger jams. And he was he wouldn't they want they dropped him, and he was not leaving. And he would just show up to PT, like the class would come out, and he'd go with them. And the instructors were like, "Dude, you can't be out here," and he would just like ignore them. And then they would like escort him out of there, and then the. Then they'd be like, dude, you like you can't be here. Like you wait, didn't. and he had his dunger gems on, yep. is what you're saying? Just like, dude, I'm staying with the class. <laughs> Whatever, fools. Jeff and they, they dropped him and and then finally, like, he just stuck with it. He just was mm. not quitting. And then finally they're like, All right, dude, this guy's a badass. We need to keep him. Yeah. They did, you know? Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, they would like they would get him away from the class and then they'd send him to, you know, lock him in a room somewhere and he'd like break out and then he'd get back <laughs> He was just freaking not quitting. Yeah, with the dunger jams. Yep. All right, so no bell bottom. Okay, I understand. That may be the first time I think I've ever like tried to answer a question for Jocko. I saw him looking at him like shaking my head no. Usually I just sit here and listen. But he said bell bottoms. I look at you. I'm like, I'm shaking my head no before you say no. I don't think I've ever done that before. But that one just like I'm like no, (laughs) it's not happening. Put it this way, I was not surprised with your answer. But sometimes you just never know. Seems hey, honestly, the the enlisted Navy uniform. Dress uniform, th- those are bell bottoms yeah. too. I mm-hmm. think they are, right? When those be classified, I, I mean, yeah. They, and I know what you're talking about, and and that's not what he's like. The cracker yeah. jack, cracker totally. jack uniform. You know what that is? Yeah, it's like the dress blues for for a navy enlisted guy yeah. below the le- rank of E six, E six and below. Mm-hmm. Like you, you look like a cracker jack box. You know, you look like a like a stereotypical sailor, oh, right? Right, right, right? Yeah, with the with the Dixie cup hat, they call it. Oh, okay, yeah. Is that the white, with yeah. the blue, and the, the deal? Yeah. The flared-out pants. Yeah, the flared-up yeah. kind of bell-bottomish. Yeah, bell-bottomy for sure. Yeah, no, I was thinking like more disco days. So here's the thing. So Jock, you was born early 70s, yeah. right? So when you were you growing years. I might have just rolled deep. Maybe. Because look, think <laughs> about. I was like four. I don't know. Getting after it. Nine. I don't know. Seventy nine. Right. Oh, uh, maybe eight. maybe we have to inspect like old pictures and see if I ever had any rolled uh, bell bottoms. That's part, of my, that's part of my point. Because right now, if I'm like, hey, Jocko, like hairstyles and all this, I'm gonna be like, hairstyles. Hair is only to look good. So mm-hmm. whatever. I'm here to win. What was the speech you gave? I don't yeah, know. Whatever. Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> yeah, bring up I some got, old photos yeah, of that. Yeah, old Jocko. You know, oh, that deep. We got some shit going on, boy. Suave. When they say suave, right? You know when someone looks suave? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? That was Jocko's look in some of those pictures. You see what I'm saying? All I hate. Picture to show hey, look. You. The point is, I was not surprised with this answer, but you just never know. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So no bell bottoms in the, in the, in the no. pipe. Hunt gear, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's, can we talk about cool stuff? All right, originusa.com. Jocko. <laughs> Store.com. <laughs> yep. JockoStore.com. If you, you want to represent. Get, we don't have bell bottoms there. No. No, no, no. And no, we're no, not going to. No. Negative. Shirts, hats, hoodies for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lightweight hoodies even. Yeah. For Which us you are in, representing in. Tonight. Oh, yeah. Big Perfect. See, I know you're from New England or whatever, and you're like, no, either you hoodie, no hoodie, mm-hmm. which I understand, but there's nuance to, to weather and 
requirements. There you go. Lightweight hoodies yep. from jocklestore.com. Discipline equals freedom. Represent. That's what you're wearing right now. Get it. It's true. Also, short locker subscription. Cool designs on that one. New design every month. Boom, mm-hmm. boom. Yeah, people have been pretty pretty happy about that one. Some good feedback. But any, yeah, check it out. Any bell bottoms coming on? No the bell bottoms. Locker? No idea. Mm. I'm gonna be honest. I never was really into the bell bottoms look. You know how people go? They go retro and they kind of oh. do that. That's their jam. Never was. Never could understand it. Here's the thing. The closest thing I got was boot cut. You know what boot cut means? It goes around boots. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is what it's wide enough to go around the boot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One of my friends was like a rocker, like a rock and roll dude. Hell yeah. It's Pete. His name is Pete. English Pete. And I saw Peter a picture Hyatt. of him. Do you know English Peter? Yeah. Yeah, you've been around English Peter. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh yeah, he did sound when he did that recording. Yes, sir. But he he like I saw a picture of him in like nineteen probably whatever eighty six and he, he he was like full on rock and roll and he had he had bell bottoms on there bro like he was ready to like he looked like a rock star <laughs> yeah, like yeah. straight up you know what I mean so there I you understand. go English pizza night but yeah uh, but yeah jockostore dot com uh, check it out if you like something yep get some subscribe to the podcast subscribe to Jocko Underground subscribe to the YouTube channel get your flip side canvas dot com get your psychological warfare get it I've written a bunch of books. Got a bunch of books. Check out those books. JockoPublishing.com. WarriorKid.com. Get your kids. Go to Amazon and get these books. So, got a bunch of books. Check them out. Echelon Front Leadership Consultancy, if you want to talk about these leadership things that we talked about today and you want to get the correct interpretation of these things, mm-hmm. we will come work with your company. We'll do it virtually. We'll do it live. Whatever it takes to get the job done. EchelonFront.com. Also, we have extremeownership.com, which is an online training. So we don't have to send you a book, a correspondence book. You can come online. You can do live events with us. We do lot, we're on there live every week, answering questions. There's courses to take. It's just awesome. We just redid the entire website, have a brand new platform. It's outstanding. So extremeownership.com. Anything else on that, Dave? It's awesome. And I love how you said, like, the correct interpretation. That's where you find it. <laughs> if you want the correct interpretation yes. of leadership, there That's what there you want. There it is. That's where you get it. Yep. And if you want to help service members, active and retired, their families, Gold Star families, check out Mark Lee's mom. Mama Lee, she's got a charity organization. If you want to help out or you want to donate, go to americasmightywarriors.org. And also don't forget about Micah Fink and heroesandhorses.org. And if you want to connect with us on the interwebs, on Twitter, on Facebook, yep. Instagram, mm-hmm. then you can go to David R. Burke or Echo Charles or Jocko Willink. Just watch out for the algorithm because it'll grab you. Um, and thanks to all of our military leaders at every level from E1 to O10 in leadership positions around the globe. Thank you for keeping us safe and leading from the front. And the same goes for all the police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, border patrol, secret service, and all first responders. Thank you for keeping us safe with your leadership here on the home front. And everyone else out there, one of the traits of a leader spelled out in this Marine Corps manual was courage. And it talked about physical courage and it talked about moral courage and it talked about the mental control of fear and the book gave some recommendations on how to be courageous but the first recommendation that it gave 
was place duty over your personal feelings or desires place duty over your own personal feelings or desires and that's it and I think we can bring that down to a personal daily level duty means do what you're supposed to do that's how we build courage by ignoring how you feel and ignoring what you desire and by doing what you are supposed to do which means we need to get out there and get after it and until next time this is dave and echo and jocko out